The adventure of a lifetime awaits you. Oceanic Airlines will take you places you've only imagined in your wildest dreams. Oceanic Airlines, your ultimate destination. On the 22nd of September, Oceanic Flight 815 took off from Sydney bound for LA. There were 324 passengers and crew aboard. Six hours after takeoff, radio contact was lost with the plane. The family members of those on board only found out the plane was missing when they got to the arrival gate. My partner, Sonia, she was on board 815. She's a flight attendant. She really loves her job. In the next few hours, Oceanic will announce that the search for Flight 815 is to be abandoned. And those on board are to be declared deceased. Oceanic want to be flying again, taking you places you never imagined. I never imagined being taken to the place where I am right now. I want answers. And I'm sure you do too. January, the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for uh, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio, where Tim Riley just described that last little bit of hip-hoppery as sounding, and I'm quoting now, like a black nickel arcade. Which is fine. I mean, that's I wonderful. We're also, like, freaked out. We're being PC. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's not... That was genius. That's not even, to me, that's not even the... To me, it's just I never really thought that anything would be described as that. One doesn't really think of a black nickel arcade as just being a phrase that would be applied to anything. And yet, there we go. Uh, and I apologize, I don't, I don't know the name of the guy who sent that to us, because he sent it to me, and I... It was one of those things where I had a brain lock, and I deleted it almost immediately for no reason. Travis Magana, but he goes by Irish. So right. sorry if you weren't, didn't want your real name So there you <laughs> out go. There. Too late. Owned. Uh, yeah, he sent that to me around the holidays, and I listened to it, and it was one of those days where my brain wasn't functioning quite right, and I, I listened to that track, and I was like, oh, that's really great, we got to play that, delete, and then, and then about an hour later, I'm like, where's that great rap song that was sent to us? And I, I don't know why I deleted it, but I'm glad you found it, so thank you, sir. Thank you, Black Nickel Arcade. 
All right. Uh, anywho, hey, it's the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are uh, here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Hey, you want to join us today? Black Nickel Arcade so much as it is White Nickel Arcade. Well, because he's... I just found his picture. Really? Yeah. Well, whatever. He's black inside. Aren't we all? He's, he's, we are. We're all black under the skin, Sarah. Yes, I am. <laughs> all right. Hey, look. You know what? If if uh, if Morgan... What, what is it in Shawshank? If Morgan Freeman's character of Shawshank can be Irish, he can be black. It doesn't matter. Nothing but a name, Sarah. We Why are am all I being one. dragged into this? Doesn't matter. All right. Uh, what was I doing? Phone numbers. Hello. Hi. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You want to uh, be part of today's program, telephonically speaking, with your comments, your questions, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, uh, your what have you. It's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or if you simply have some laundry you'd like Hillary Clinton to do, it's 503 733 Nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. If you want to email, you can do that. It's uh, Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Sarah at nine seventy dot am. Tim at nine seventy dot am. Or Richie with a T uh, at nine seventy dot am. So uh, anyway, thank you all for coming by. Uh, we will get the phone calls here in a second. We have a bunch of crap to say about. I just sat like a goon. Like a goon hired by the Chinese, like a goon uh, sitting on the sitting on the sofa last night, watching. And here's the thing, because the primary isn't even until like today. It wasn't even happening last night. They did that little thing in in Dicktown or whatever. That what was Dicksville that? Dicksville Notch. I'm sorry, Dicksville. Dicktown. That was not a little thing. It's their actual. I thought it was called. I thought it was called Dicktown, but it's Dicksville. No. All right. Dixville. Not. Dixville, which is the Punxsutawney of the political world, by the way. Yes, it is. I can't take credit for that. My wife came up with that. She's the one. We're sitting there. A very good observation. It, really, it was brilliant. It's completely accurate. Uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but we're sitting there last night, uh, and by we, I mean me, and then she was just dragged into it because she married a guy with no life. So I'm sitting there watching 15 yokels cast their vote in Dixville. Dixville Notch, which sounds like something the military would warn you against. Many a GI has encountered Dixville Notch after spending time with a local lady. It's a big resort hotel. Is it? Is it a nice place? Like a uh, good old boy, dark, dark wood, big fireplaces, that type of thing. Is it, so it's a ski resort. It's, so it's a place where one might, one might hang out with snow bunnies yes. or whatever they're called. Yeah. All right. In any event, so they, they have this thing in Dixville Notch, New Hampshire, uh, which is because I guess the deal is the, the polls have to stay open until 8 p.m., the only legal exception to that is if you can prove that every single person within the township has voted. And Dixville only has like 18 people. So once 18 ballots are cast, bam, you're done. And they can close them. And so every year what happens is the 18 people in Dixville, Notch, New Hampshire, vote right away. And then they close the ballot, uh, the balloting, and then they go into another room and they count them. Uh, and then they announce them. And so, and that is always considered a harbinger of uh, the results. So there I am last night at 9.15, you know, midnight 15, New Hampshire time, watching the first results come in from Dixville Notch. And my wife totally nailed the fact that Dixville Notch is the Punxsutawney uh, of, of the political world. The votes essentially mean nothing, but everyone ascribes tremendous import to them, especially because Hillary Clinton got nothing. Neither did Mike Huckabee, to be fair. Well, that, they usually vote straight Republicans, so something has changed. Is that well? Because the winner was it was Obama, then 
Somebody. I have it here. I, well, we'll get to it in a minute. We'll, we'll begin. We're getting okay. ahead of ourselves. Oh, and I have some really embarrassing audio from um, from CNN television talking about inside the minds of female voters. <laughs> All right. It was it was really what's going on in my mind. No, it, you have no idea. Look, don't get me wrong. I love CNN. We're proud. Uh, we're proud colleagues of CNN, and we have many CNN anchors. And we've had a lot of the TV people on. We've talked to Candy Crowley on this program. We've talked to that guy from the Anderson Cooper Show about the West Memphis Three. I think we had Jeffrey Tubin, who's their legal analyst, on at one point. But every once in a while, they just boy, they really just step in it. So last night, they just had they had some of the worst, most awkward, most embarrassing coverage. And I have saved it all, and we'll play it. Uh, well, this is this is the, the time of the campaign when, when all these so-called experts come out of the woodwork. Uh huh. Anyone call themselves an expert, and all the predictions are wrong every time. Absolutely. So why bother? You know, but the, the thing is, by the predict by the time the predictions don't happen, the expert has already gone to their next gig. Mm-hmm. So, I need to begin marketing myself as an expert in something. That's what we should do. We should all become uh, experts in something, and then just go on speaking tours. Sarah can be an expert in go celebrity gossip. Okay, no, no, but see, it's not just enough to be a person who knows about celebrity gossip, because then you're like Perez Hilton. No, no, no. But I was distracted. You guys, when you guys start talking politics, you know that there's kind of a cloud that goes over my head. Here's the thing. What was the question? How do we market ourselves as experts? See, it's not enough just to say you know about gossip. You need to be sort of meta, as they say. In other words, you need to market yourself as someone who can comment on the commenting on celebrity gossip. In other words... So I need a Ph.D. in something, basically? I'm, basically, I'm saying you can you can talk to companies or businesses about what living in a gossip culture means to you as a business or whatever. In other I words, it, it, the money now is not in doing the thing. The money is now in sitting up and looking down at the thing and explaining it to others. Here's what, uh, here's, you know, in other words, analyzing a thing for for other people. I'm just saying, just think on it. Okay. I, uh, it, it's like how you can, you know, it's like how t- 10, 12 years ago, and thank God this is over, 10, 12 years ago when everything was about how to market the Generation Xers, and they would have all of these um, guys who were like 30 at that time, 30, 35 years of age, and they would come and they would give these seminars at your company about it, how to reach Generation X. Uh, and it was Generation X was on the cover of, boy, and I'm so glad that we don't use that phrase much anymore. On the cover of every magazine, every newspaper, it was all about the Xers and, you know, and how do you advertise to them. So they would have these morons come and give these big seminars at your business about how to market uh, to, to the uh, to, to Generation X guys. So now there needs to be... And then Tim can do something about... Yeah. I don't know. It'll all come to me. This is, it's, well, what would you do? You keep pitting it on us. I don't know. I don't know. You come up with these brilliant ideas, and then Tim and Sarah. I'm saying I... <laughs> come I, up with it on the spot. I think there's something there, though. I think there's something there. I'm going to come back to this later in the program. I think we can begin marketing ourselves as experts on something. This is like... But how does one become an expert on it? You just like, say that you are. Have you ever, ever checked the credentials of anybody who's come and spoken to you? Well, about I mean, I, I own a website where I, where I talk about... Done. Where I talk about, you know, I'm on the outskirts That's making it. fun of people, making you fun do, of people. You write your own bio. Sarah X. Dillon has been dissecting and analyzing the gossip culture in America for 15 years. You know? Her uh, website is read by thousands of people each week and serves as a touchstone for all that is centric in the gossip culture in America. Done. And how sad is that? That's the only thing I could be an expert and on. How sad is it that I can reel off corporate crap like that just without even thinking about it? All right. Uh, Lisa Desjardins will join us today. Uh, she is in Manchester. Uh, and she will be talking about the uh, primary happening today. Jim Roop will be in Los Angeles, where apparently he's pissed off because they denied him press credentials to something or other. Uh, so we'll find out about that. 
Uh, top five today, uh, I believe, from the Willamette Week, Byron Beck today, yes, maybe? Yeah, he's being a diva. He's like, I need a ride. and Because I, and I was telling him that Brad said that he would give him a ride, and he's like, I'm like, you know, contact Brad if you need a ride still. And he's probably back, I need a ride. A and I'm just like, sure you do. Here's this phone number, ass. <laughs> and they're like, they're just a few blocks away. No, they're Willamette Week's way over in uh, Northwest now. Oh, all right, well, whatever. So Byron Beck, you know, if he can spare the time and get a ride, maybe. If he can maybe, pick up the phone and call Brad. <laughs> seriously, if he can bring himself to dial seven numbers. Uh, let's see. Brittany watched today uh, a supplementary cannibal watch with sound. Uh, and uh, Owen will have an awkward question for Richie Bristol and so forth. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. A woman is raped while waiting for a max train on the east side. Oh. Yeah. Just gets worse all the time. Okay. What happened to all this police protector we were supposed to get there, uh, Max people? Uh, Letterman shaves off his beard on the TV. Things get a little testy during Bill O'Reilly's visit to New Hampshire. Hillary didn't get a single vote from the simple folks in Dixville Notch. Voting is so heavy that some towns have run out of ballots. More are being rushed to Nashua, Portsmouth, and Pelham. Brittany's pregnant sister is taking her future seriously, studying for her GED. Willie Ames is robbed at gunpoint. The Daily Show and the Colbert Report return, and what about that? Expendable. Who robs Willie Ames? I don't know. It's like rob- robbing Alfonso Ribeiro. What yeah. are you possibly going to get from Willie Ames? If Boy, speaking of Alfonso Ribeiro, have you seen a picture of that guy? Mm-hmm. Boy, that guy is just a bloat machine. Look up, I saw Alfonso Ribeiro on the TMZ today. I'm saying that guy's clocking at like 250. Oh, and apparently Eminem has bloated up, too. They rushed Eminem to the hospital this morning. I don't care that much about it. But they rushed Eminem to the hospital today. And apparently, not only does he have, he have pneumonia or the flu or whatever, but I guess he's having heart problems, too, because he now weighs 225 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, uh... Wait, hold on. Chad, hold on. Switching on morning show mode. Because he's... He's the... Wait. He's the real thick shady... He's something. He's no longer Slim Shady. Fat Shady. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. Laugh Shady. Laugh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, so before we talk about the, um, let me just say, the process of laboriously entering uh, all of my phone numbers in my, into my phone continues. Uh-huh. But I was emailing Tim about that last time. I said, said, hey, but you know what's your cell phone number? I get it. i got to put this back in my phone. And then I had this really, this singularly awkward experience last night. I had this, there's this a listener who had sent me an email, and this listener's like, uh, and I think he may have already dropped something off for you, Sarah, or maybe he's going to, but, he, you know, he bought some small, like, Christmas stuff for everybody. And he's like, hey, I, I bought the, I, I'm getting a clothing gift for Tim and for Aaron Duran. So just tell me what size they wear. And, of course, it's not like I have a Rolodex at home with the sizes of everybody I know and what clothing they wear. So then I'm in this singularly weird position of emailing Aaron and Tim last night and saying, so this, your size this is... <laughs> what do you like to wear? Um, what kind of fabric do you like on your sleeve? How do you phrase that? I never put him, put him in that position. Do you like the feel of shark skin? Uh, so I was emailing Aaron and Tim, and I sent you both basically the same email saying, So this is a little strange, but... Uh, I like the caress of Angora. <laughs> I find Angora to be the most sensual of all fabrics, don't you? Uh, so, Tim, what size do you wear? Uh, said this, I have a listener who wants to drop off some clothing gift. Let me know. And then I included his email in case you wanted to email him directly, although I should have known that would not be the case. No, that would not be the case. Tim emails back and gives me the information, and he says, What a strange request. 
this is something I feel awkward putting in an email. And then he told me his size. The same thing with Aaron. Aaron, Aaron, who was great, though, Aaron told me his size. And then he actually so then told me. his size, brand specific. And then his Hot Topic size. Aaron's like, well, I wear, a, I wear a whatever. But if you're buying me something from Hot Topic, it's this size instead. So, anyway, so I will forward that to the guy today. I don't even. I, and then the clothing gift of whatever kind will be dropped off. So I don't really know what that's about. All right. Uh, so uh, here's my observations uh, from uh, from last night. So, so yes, Dixville Notch is Punxsutawney because they did the guy and Larry King, who just, uh, I, as my wife, as my wife has started to call him Larry the Corpse, is just sitting there with. And I know that the wacky suspenders are kind of his trademark, but boy, he was wearing the worst suspenders and a. Ta- I think he was wearing a clip-on last night. I can't prove it. But I'm pretty sure that Larry King was wearing a clip-on tie. Uh, just awful. And um, anyway, so he's there as they're counting the votes in uh, in Dixville. And I, it was like 18 people or somebody. Uh, they all came out and they voted. And they put their votes in. Like the, and, of course, the, the first woman who votes, the big ceremonial like flashbulbs going off, is the first vote is being put into the, into the ballot box. And... All 18 people vote. They all get accounted for. And then the guy comes. And Larry Larry operates off this playbook that you get the idea that it's updated about every five or six years. Um, this is like when I asked. This is like when I interviewed Boy George, uh, you know, like in, in the year 1998 or whatever. And I asked him if he was still with Culture Club. And I was just so unbelievable. And he just sneered at me because I was so unbelievably out of touch. So Larry, Larry goes right to the, so uh, are we going to have any problem with hanging chads this year? And I mean, it's just like. Like a kind of a this joke copyright 2000 sort of a thing. And they cast all the votes. They take the ballot box into the other room. And Larry immediately says, why are they taking the ballot box in the other room? And the guy says, well, they have to count them somewhere else. So they come out and they they unveil it. And Hillary got shut out. And and, um, and Mike Huckabee got shut out. But as as they're covering all of this, they're showing all of this footage from earlier in the day. And they showed... That speech that we heard 10,000 times yesterday of Hillary Clinton, like, welling up and being close to tears. First of all, I don't know where she was at when she did that. I mean, do we know? Because there was nothing but women in the room. Mm-hmm. So was she speaking at some sort of, like, a sewing circle or whatever it is they have in New Hampshire? Because there were no men in that room at all. And it looked like it was in... I'm just making this observation. It looked like she was speaking in some sort of pastry shop. I don't know if that was the case. But she was sitting at a table, and I swear to you, there was like a big glass display case full of crullers behind her. So I don't know where she was. Could have been like a Dunkin' Donuts. Maybe. She looked good, though. Can I tell you that? She looked fine. She really did. They know how to make her up. I'm not saying she's a conventionally attractive or beautiful woman, but whoever puts her together knows how to do it. Um, So Hillary's doing her big speech yesterday. And this is sort of like that old thing that you heard five million times in history class when you were in high school where they talked about the Nixon-Kennedy debate. And they would say, well, those who listened on radio thought that Nixon had won. Those who watched on television believed that Kennedy had won. That Hillary thing sounded completely different than it looked because we played that audio all day yesterday of Hillary uh, you know, sounding like she was on the verge of some sort of horrendous, uh, hilarious emotional collapse. No tear was shed. No. And then I, yeah, I watched it on television, and not only did she not cry, she didn't even look like she was going to cry. She looked completely and totally composed. It seemed much less dramatic when you watched it on television. Mm-hmm. So that might actually work out. If you listened to it on the radio yesterday, it sounded like she was just about ready to start cutting off her own hair and running through the streets naked. You watched it on television, though, and she seemed very low-key, very on the level. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, okay, well, let me just, uh, I think I've got this here. I might actually play some of this audio here at the top of the show just to, uh, oh, but you know, before I do that, I'm sorry, this, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, uh, why does this not want to play? 
Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's because I've got this YouTube video open. I'm sorry. Hold on. The, uh... There we go. It's called Sex Panther. By Odeon. By Let's uh, welcome Richie Bristol to the uh, program. Now, hello, Richie. Good morning. First of all, uh, thanks for getting that Tim Riley footage up. So the Tim Riley Firestorm video Firestorm. footage is now at RileyLive.com? Yes. Uh-huh. What about the Invaders That's footage? coming soon. Really? Is that going to be up uh, sometime soon? Yes. All right. Excellent. Um, R- Richie did a good job putting that together, too. No, no, no. Very demanding. Richie's a game day player. Definitely. All right. A uh, couple things. So, uh, Richie, you have secured a tram tour for us. Yes. We have all agreed in advance to go on the tram tour together. When is that happening? Thursday. Thursday at 4 p.m. Tim, is that, does that work with your schedule? Well, I suppose I can. All right. So at 4 p.m., day after tomorrow, 4 p.m. on Thursday, and, I, man, I was thinking about it as I drove over the Ross Island Bridge this morning, just seeing the you know, big cylinder of death bobbing its way up to the hill and back down again. Um, so what is the deal? We are we, We're taking the, the train from here to yeah. the bottom of the tram, going up the hill, down the hill, and then the train back to here? Yeah. Well, yeah, they're going to show some mechanics, I think, of underneath it and some other stuff of it. Oh, a full-on tour. All right. <laughs> all right. So do we get Good to? Morning. So they're going to show us the, the the machinery and how the whole thing operates. Yeah, the nuts and bolts and all stuff. Right. Are you unnerved? Uh, I'm just wondering about the weather. Ugh. Oh, uh, well, it's all like crazy windy right now. I was just going to say, let's hope we have more of those gale force winds blowing. <laughs> Snap. Uh. <laughs> hey, you're going to be on there with us. We got insurance. We're all going down together. <laughs> I was going to say, it'll. You know what it is? It'll be just like Buddy Holly. It'll be, oh, no. <laughs> and there'll be the one guy. Like at the last moment, Richie will decide not to go. At the last moment, Richie will be like, "No, no, no, I got to stay here." And no, it is all or nothing. Tag nothing. a car we are dealer. All going down together. Yeah, McCoy. Richie will be stuck behind doing a tag for a, for a spot. The day the talk dies. <laughs> exactly. And then they'll, it'll, you'll see Richie at 70 years of age being interviewed on television. Well, I don't know what got into me, but that day I just decided to stay home. And then they'll cut to the smoking tram. Oh, my God, the, will you stop? Stop. Glad I got that being my It's like a bloody shoe in the foreground. Cut, I can see it from, like, someone's filming from the distance, and all of a sudden our little pod falls off the It'd be wire. like a shaky Cloverfield home video as oh, the tram plunges into John's landing right through somebody's Cutting house. Clyde's house. And the totally. only thing left is a magnetic key card. Yeah, exactly. Let's open the door to the studio. <laughs> and now opens the door. To a crypt. Yeah. <laughs> so we, do we know a which studio that has been transformed into a shroud-covered mausoleum? Do we know which uh, house Clyde's is? I do. Uh, the I tram goes right over it. it. Yeah. yeah, the tram goes right over Tim. I mean, we're not screwing around. We say the that it's the most hilarious goes, house. Ooh. It goes the most non-Clyde house. Yeah. I don't want to identify where he, he lives. Yeah, yeah but it, lo- it it does not look like a place where Clyde would live. I'll tell you that. But the tram goes directly over Clyde's. Does Clyde's it have any windows? Uh, yeah. I mean, he doesn't use them. No, no, no. I think black and covered. Oh, no, the tram's completely... Have you never looked at Have you never seen the tram? I, I see it's it. It's a big glass, like, pill-shaped thing. It looks like one of those silver Airstream trailers, but, like, miniaturized. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like one of those trailers that looks like it's made out of aluminum. <laughs> it, it is like... It's like a silver egg-shaped thing with, uh, I think, two windows on each side. And here's the interesting thing. I wonder how high the tram actually is. I mean, how far above ground level? I don't want to know. At its I don't want to know either. We shouldn't overthink it. Hey, if that. I'm going to be terrified, we're all going to be terrified together. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so the tram Thursday at 4, uh, and then Friday we will be talking to Lemmy from Motorhead. Yep. Fantastic. How cool is that? Good stuff. It does yeah. get cool. Hear that? The sound of our street grid increasing. All right. Uh, somebody wanted me to ask you Uh-oh. about filming for Girls Gone Wild. Are you involved in that? Have you, Richie Bristol, ever filmed for Girls Gun Wild? I've filmed a lot of stuff, and I don't know what made it in. What 
Okay, now why would you not volunteer this information? Why do we have to find these things know. out as we slowly peel you like some sort of Vietnamese onion? Wait, so you filmed some girls like being all slutty and then you I sent it in? I used to do a lot of filming and stuff. And the caller says he he swears it's me, and I don't know what he's talking about. So if I could give you a clip. Okay, well let's hold on. Let's stop. Why would somebody be under the impression that you, Richie Bristol, had filmed for Girls Gone Wild? Uh, one of my friends in L.A., he lives in Hollywood. Uh-huh. He was friends and friends of a friend who knows the story. I'd never believe whatever he says. And he says, oh, I do this, I do that. And so I gave him a bunch of film of different me. You know, I got a lot of film of girls' wet T-shirts, stuff like that. Wow, really? Yeah. You're like our own Bob Crane. So That's what I was thinking. I, you were just thinking that, weren't you? All we need is for William Defoe to be beating you to death in a living room. Um, so, um... Um, anywho, so where did you... What do you mean you just have lots of footage of girls? Well, I used to... I mean, like I have old films of us at uh, Dolphin or the Stars and stuff like that. When we did Tom Likas, we used to do Tom Likas over there at the you, other Do stage. you have a son named Scotty who will someday peddle these online? Totally. <laughs> um, now, is this... But, I mean, is it just radio footage? Uh, it's not... Or do you just wander the streets with a camera looking for slutty girls to take off their clothes? I'm always looking for slutty girls. But, I mean, do you, <laughs> in other words, is it all from radio events? Basically. Okay. So this isn't. So you didn't go out and like go to I don't know what frat houses or whatever like looking for girls to take their tops off. I've tried that. <laughs> Have you really? Yeah. Wow. You know, there's a whole That's lot about you. Very strange. There, I was just going to say entertainment. Uh, well, not for me. Okay. Uh, not for you. There really is just so much more to you than meets the eye. I think every week we just discover some new facet to you that we didn't know was there. So. What is? What did you then do? You then took all of this footage. The best part about it is I can guarantee you that nobody in any of this footage signed a release, so I'm, I'm sure that went over really well. No, they were asking for phone numbers, and I thought they were trying to get the girls. Like, first thing he says, hey, give me this girl's number. Oh, she's hot. Well, of course, because they want to, like, it really. So you just had all of this sort of amateur footage that you would take and that you sent to the Girls Gone Wild guys? No, I gave it to my guy, when my friend, when I was up in Hollywood. I gave it to Are him. Are you sure your friend wasn't just looking for a bunch of a bunch of video footage of nude women and decided that you know the easiest way to get that would be to ask you? Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he was going to put it on the internet or something. Like okay, that. we're just checking. So, so you didn't actually film for Girls Gone Wild, which would no. be fine. I just wanted to verify whether that was true. Yeah, the listener, I, I talked to him a little bit. You submitted footage. You just submitted I footage. I should have him submit it to me so I could see it. And he says, it swears it's me. Blah, blah, blah. Do you carry a little business card that says, professional photographer? I would. All right. <laughs> Uh, all right, excellent. Okay, Tram Thursday, Lemmy Friday. All right, thanks. excellent. Thank you, Richie Bristol. All right. Did I not introduce you? You never yet? introduced me, and I had a fun night last night. I'm sorry. We waiting here patiently. I'm sorry. We were busy talking. I forgot that I didn't do the formal. Hello, Sarah. How are you today? Hi. Sorry about that. I'm doing well. I went to Gay Bingo last night. Oh, no, no, no. That's the other thing I wrote down. Um, that's the other thing I wrote down here. And it was awesome. I got this um, because you had sent me a text asking for Richie's phone number, and I thought you were screwing with me. I thought you were mocking me. I thought you were me. asking me, like, why are you messing with me? I'm like, no, no I, really. I sent back a text. I'm like, are you mocking me? Because, you know, because my phone imploded. I and so totally I thought you were just that. jacking me up. Um, so, so I got this email from Sarah. Um, I need Richie's number. By the way, I am at Gay Bingo with Byron. So, of course. So, it was really fun. There's this place called the Q Center, which is down on Water Avenue, and... Um, and uh, Byron was hosting it with this um, girl who works at the race. I can't remember her name. And um, anyway, so he was he was hosting well, it with her. And being his usual self, him and his course. and his partner Juan were there. Yes. And it went out with him and Byron and did Juan he ask about me? Brad and Evie. Yeah. Why do you think he's coming today? Of he wants course. to give your butt a squeeze. Well, it's what he does. It is what he does. Family opportunity to be groped by Byron. And I met a, a beautiful gay boy who's a fan of ours. Excellent. So hello, Greg. 
Hi, Greg. How are you? Greg was awesome. Because Byron kept being Greg embarrassing. Sassy. He's like, look, there's Sarah Dillon. I'm just sitting there. I haven't showered. I'm just wearing like a frumpy sweatshirt. I'm like, thanks, Byron. You had the great... What was that quote you had this morning? This is weird. This is great for quotes. So first of all, we have Tim describing, what was it, MC Irish as, quote, a black nickel arcade. Uh... And then Sarah came in this morning, and this is actually the, the phrase out of Sarah's mouth. Sarah came in and said, we seem to have a strong homosexual following. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't, because there was the intermission. They approached me. They're like, we love the show. It was so cool. Him and his friend. Oh, I can't remember his friend's name. We're a... Kelly. Greg and Kelly. It is a yeah. big tent here. We do welcome all uh, we welcome all peoples from every walk of life here but, at Every Conversation. Yeah, they have it every Monday night, and it was really fun. I suggest going to check it out. Excellent. All right. Uh, we'll do a couple of these, and we'll break and come back with uh, Jim Roop, who I guess is in a poor mood today. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey. Mm. The Wait. likely I event see. of a tram mishap. Uh, Richie has to get on that tram with you in the event of the mishap because Isai Morales needs to stand on a footbridge screaming, Richie! I'm sorry, what? In the likely event of the tram mishap, Richie has to be on that tram with you because Isai Morales has to stand on a bridge at the end of the movie saying, okay. saying Richie. All right, I'm so, okay, I'm sorry. I totally didn't get that reference. Your phone, I didn't I didn't hear it for a second. I, I'm, I lost myself. Excellent. Okay, no, no, no. Well, La Bamba. That's a La Bamba reference. Yeah, you know you the go. creepiest moment in La Bamba, which is a pretty great film, by the way? Yeah. The creepiest moment in La Bamba is that guy that they cast to play Buddy. What is going on what in the background? What are you listening to? Me? Oh, I'm at a, I'm at a bar. I, I forgot my cell phone, so I had to make a quick well, call. Well, it is 11.30. What bar are you at? Uh, Jolly Inn. Oh. The Jolly Not Inn the or the Jolly Roger? I'm, no, the Jolly Inn. I'm the Jolly Inn, which is by oh, Tennessee you Reds? Oh, have a spark. I'm making a beer delivery. Okay. Oh, all right. Uh, that's the one by Tennessee Reds, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, boy, that place is a hole. And I mean that in the best way, but oh, God, great. What, a, what an armpit it that is, place is. It's a great place. <laughs> um, so, now, the creepiest part in La Bamba is when that guy they cast to play Buddy Holly turns around and he looks at Richie Valens and he says... God, what does he say? Something like, you got to fly high to reach the stars, man, oh, as they're, like, taking exactly. off before they went to meet their destiny on that storm-tossed night. Yeah, I, whenever a movie's on cable, I always watch it. Excellent. No, it's a great film. It really is. Well done with the Isai Morales reference. Thank you. Sure thing. All right. I don't like all the plane crashes we're talking about today, because we started with Lost. Yes. We were trying to find a, a plane, and they are claiming them all deceased. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't like this one. What bit. you don't want to do is go online and Google train or, or tram accident. Don't go on YouTube. I already did that. Yeah, don't, no. don't go on YouTube and put uh, and put a tram accident. Because Maybe I'll just look at the little catch picture. That's tram a thing you don't want to do. No, I can't. I can't do it. All right. Uh, well, I had something else to do, but it's pointless now. It's 503-733-2970. So that is all, uh, that's all coming up. You stay there. Uh, Jim Roop around the corner. Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth, and uh, much more. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, my God. Somebody what? just sent me this fantastic... It's not that great. Oh. <laughs> Somebody just sent me this great article. They're now selling an MP3 player that doubles as a taser. That's fantastic. Okay, that's pretty cool. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you for sending that along. Didn't All I right. 35? 35. Things are going poorly in his day, though, so who knows? Well, if he doesn't call us in a second, we'll have, uh, we'll have Richie look into it. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Lisa Desjardins uh, will join us at 210. Uh, Byron Beck from the Willamette League was stopping in. And uh, the uh, top five and so forth. Uh, let's see. I think see. he's just coming in to talk with us about Britney Spears. 
Is that why? Well, doesn't he, isn't he pimping something? He was pimping something, but he's like, what should I talk about? I'm like, I don't know. And like, we're basically talking about the primary and Britney Spears today. He's like, I can do both of those. Uh, let's see here. What else have we got? Um, Rick, can the Black Nickel Arcade make a video with the Black Betty White? No. No, stop. Uh, somebody sent me an Andy Rooney thing. Oh, apparently Hillary was speaking at a coffee shop. Uh, so that's where she was. That's why it was a whole... It came, but it was something where they... I don't know if, if she only attracted women or if her handlers just wanted her in a room. Because I think Hillary... I think Hillary is fighting what we might call a Sarah Dillon problem. A Sarah Dillon problem. In that sometimes it seems that other women uh, don't take a shine to her. <laughs> I think we'll just we'll put it charitably. It's yeah. I do know that you it's have the mystery of my life. There are you have more Maybe than it's your, not so much a mystery. Maybe I'm a terrible person. I just don't realize. No, it. I I don't think so. I think it is very telling that guys uh, typically get along really well with you, and that a lot of times women do not. I think sometimes women uh, are uh, they feel off put by you. So yeah. What can you do? That's the story of my life. It's been that way since I was little. It's true. Which was really fun when I moved from town to town. Yeah. Yeah. Was that fun when you were, like, in 10th grade? It was fun when I was eating lunch in the library. And Alone. they told me I couldn't eat lunch in the library. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that's sad. It was so mean. I'm like, really? Do you see what's going on with my life? I'm eating lunch in the goddamn library, and you're telling me I can't? Oh, that's okay. Hold on. We have to get back to that in just a second. Richie, uh, can you drop CNN a call and see uh, see what the deal is with our friend Jim Roop? Because I just need to know whether we need to, to move forward with something else. Thank you. Um, really? So you were like, uh, so you were like hard hairy in the in pump up the volume, just sitting sure. there with your Lenny Bruce book and eating a sandwich alone and chewing your blackjack. Yeah, looking gum. back at it, no, it's still not a fond memory. It still really sucks. Oh no, those things, those never get any better. You no, never look no, back and go, well, that... Like, oh, well, I was kooky because people didn't like me in high school. Oh. Look at my street cred. <laughs> and I hate it when people are like, oh, I wasn't very popular in high school. It's like, really? <laughs> Did you eat lunch by yourself <laughs> you in the library? Alone? You bastards. Did the librarian kick you out and you had to go eat in the bathroom? No, those things, even in retrospect, those things are never enjoyable. No, Nobody they're awful. Anybody who looks back and goes, yeah, well, I was glad. It was, I was learning it, was, it made me a stronger person. F you. If you say that, it didn't... Re Anybody who looks back and somehow has this glowing memory of being an outcast in high school wasn't really an outcast in high school. Well put. Anybody who was really savagely uh, either mistreated or shunned or beat up or made fun of or whatever, anybody who really went through that doesn't look back. Go, those are the best years of my life. Those were the golden years. So yeah. anyway, I don't know. I think it was. I think I might. I think that might be a bigger than Jesus number. I said, did anybody? What did I say? I don't know. Are you uh, going to quote yourself? Well, I did because I had some. Yes, I am. I'm going to quote my own film. Um, <laughs> As said by Rick Emerson. I'm trying to remember. I remember that line too. I, you know, how sad it is that I don't. I committed that whole thing to memory for like two years, and now I can't remember any of it. Um. I don't know. Well, whatever. Anyway, yeah. so blah blah blah. High school blows, and be suspicious of anybody who refers to that as you know, like the best, the best time of their lives. Um, Rick, this email says, my wife and I went on the tram when it first opened. We were on it with about seventy oh. people. Seventy people? It's that big? I don't know how many people the tram. Well, I must. I mean, especially when it first opened, you figure they wouldn't load it. To, it probably holds more than that. Because when it first opens, they're not going to be filling it up to maximum capacity. Well, I guess I've only seen it from a distance, but I thought it was smaller than that. When everybody plunging to their doom on opening week. So you figure if they Maybe had... Maybe we should get more people in, because what if it, there are too little people in there? What if there's only just a few of us, and it blows up? And, and it, it sways over. crazily back and forth in the gusts? 
if it's used to having like you know a hundred people in there. Well, that guy who set it up for us, he's he's a tram operator. He's one of the guys who runs it or whatever. So I guess he could he could give us the inside scoop. Anyway, uh, he says uh, my wife and I uh, went on the tram when it first opened. We were on it with about seventy people. See, it looks very small from the Ross Island Bridge. The tram doesn't look big at all. It does look small. <laughs> I wonder if it's this really... This is a mistake. I feel like this is a mistake. <laughs> this is going to be up until the final moments. They debated whether to take the tram trip, never knowing it was a decision that would lead them to their destiny. Oh, God. Uh, maybe it's like the size of a school bus or something. And you just... Of course, that doesn't make me, make me feel any better. I oh, mean, I found if it's, something for you. If it's tiny and it's crammed with 70 people, I don't like that because it makes you feel like it's just going to be rocking back and forth all nuttily. But if it's huge and can carry 70 people, then I'm picturing something like a cement truck dangling from a thin strand of wire. Which is worse, I guess. Cause it's like, do you want to be on a plane, you know, plummeting with like 100 people, or do you want to be in like one of those little single engine planes? I suppose. Maybe we should get a bunch of people with us so uh, it doesn't blow away. Says we were on it with about 70 people. The tram trip was pretty cool, but the most unsettling part was when it goes over that first pole at the bottom of the hill. It swings back and forth quite a bit before it settles down again. Oh, my God. Considering how you guys are already being such pussies about it, he says, I can't wait for the audio of you, quote, I'm not even going to read this. Don't. He speculates that one of us might wet or soil ourselves during the tram trip. And Rich will be there to... All right, let's just roll in. Hello, baby. Oh. What? I heard how you felt about flying. I didn't think you'd want to know about this airplane stuff. It's between Tommy and you now. I'm going to toss this coin. You're such a bad person. He's going to ride on this plane, sleeping in a warm bed tonight. Whoever loses, he's going to freeze his ass off on the bus, all right? This is the new Blood Rock. Call it, Richie. Relax, man. Everything's cool. Besides, the sky belongs to the stars, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't even listen anymore. That guy who plays Buddy Holly in La Bamba, he's only in there for a little bit, but man, he is so he's creepy. Good. And that, and the way they and frame, flying off. the way they frame that shot when he looks back over the seat at Richie Valens. Uh huh. The sky belongs to the stars, he says creepily. Yeah. Yeah. Which, what you don't want to do is have. I need to stop watching this. Have Peggy Sue going through your head. With, if we take stop it. No, seriously. If Rick. We ta- no, no, no. If if now listen to me now. If if our tram trip on Thursday is us and like other just regular regular folks who you know who aren't expecting us, one of us should totally start humming La Bamba as we go over. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi, this is Iris. I'm a tram rider. Okay. Now do you you work seen... up on the hill? No, I go up and down once in a while for doctor's appointments and okay. stuff. But I've never seen 70 people on the tram. How many people would you estimate the tram can hold? I mean, you know, reasonably speaking. Um, I would go maybe between 30 and 35. Now, is there, are there seats or do you stand like no, a streetcar? Yeah, it, you stand and it's all bubbled around. You can see the whole city and it goes wow. above the houses, like going straight down to the. There's a big clinic down there all right and so you stand up and you do you hold the strap like on the bus oh yeah you can stand up and you can lean they've got little bars around the side you can just lean out and stuff i mean it's all enclosed so you can see everything everything let me ask you this i don't know how did you feel unsafe at any point um the only time that they warn you is your stomach goes on this one little switch for like two seconds is that when it goes over the first pole at the bottom and it sways yeah but it's really very mild, you guys. You guys, you will be fine, trust me. Do you have because any kind of I don't like heights at all. 
and you have that little sensation of like if you hit like a um, going really fast on a road and hit like something, mm-hmm. your stomach goes. But it's like two seconds. Let me ask you this: Does it rock back and forth much? No. Okay. Which is worse, going up or coming back down? Um, I like going up. Because when you're coming down. Even though you're probably above the ground level to the same degree, it probably seems much higher because you can it, it see does. all of Portland laid up yes. hundreds of feet below you. You can see the roofs on the houses. You can almost reach down and touch them. Well, I don't know if that makes me feel better or not. It, it's really beautiful. I, you guys, you, yeah. will, I think you'll really like it. It's really pretty, and if it's a beautiful day, it, it's four minutes. All right. Okay. Yeah, oh, so only have four fun. Minutes, you'll right? like it. All right. Thank you, Iris. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Bye. There you go. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, the guy who played Buddy Holly in La Bamba is Marshall Crenshaw. Uh, he's uh, a musician, is he not? Yeah, he put out a bunch of CDs, but uh, the Buddy Holly stuff's pretty much like his claim to fame. That's what he's most known for. It. How sad. Him and Los Lobos, who have eternally regretted. Los Lobos, who were a great band, a, a great band out of East L.A., who then really, they, they I think they'd been around for so long, couldn't sell any records, couldn't make any money. Nobody knew who they were. The closest thing they had to a hit was a song called Shake and Shakes, I think. Right, and right. and they decided, you know what, let's let's license our all our all our crap to uh, to this movie for La Bamba. And of course, then that became the only thing they were ever known for. And I think they've regretted that like the rest of their lives. So and the other great thing is uh, Brian Setzer played Eddie Cochran in that movie. And is course, that true? He, he, yeah, he played Eddie Cochran. And uh, other weird thing about Eddie Cochran is he died maybe six months after Richie Valens and all of them did in that car crash. But he he wrote a, an American Pie-ish kind of song about about Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and the Big Bobber, and then he died not even a year later. In a I actually crash. haven't yeah. seen La Bamba for about five years, and for whatever reason, every time it's on, it's always just the last 20 minutes. Like, I never get to see right. the good times part or the, hey, here's my taste of fame part. I always get there just in time to see his sister or whatever, like, running through the streets of Los Angeles, you know, having heard that he's dead. There's that sequence she's putting up laundry on the clothesline. That's when I just stopped it. Rock and roll is dead in the crash, including Richie Valens. And then she just, like, collapses on the lawn. That's the moment I always get. So, all right. Thank you, sir. That's why I'm with Selena. I always catch the very end of Selena, and it makes me cry every time. It is the saddest movie. It's Jennifer Lopez, right? She's so good in that movie. She is an amazing No, she can act when she wants to. Oh, that whole story, I just, I That bawled. was where she was, like, machine-gunned by the guy who ran her fan club or something? No, no, it was the woman who was, like, she she was a trusted, um, she was basically a family member to her. Like, she ran her, her fan club, and right. she, like, totally t- started monopolizing Selena's time, and, you know, she didn't like that she was spending time with other people, so she shot her. Well, and okay. And laid their blood to death. Why are we talking about this stuff? It's the happiest day of the year, Sarah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, uh, Rick. Um, uh, song suggestion. You should, uh, that song at the end of La Bamba, what's it called, Moonwalk? Uh, Maybe. That is, yeah, the instrumental. Oh, oh, no, Sleepwalk. Sleepwalk. Yeah. There you go. That creeps people out. Then just for fun, play uh, American Pie by uh, Don McLean. All right. There you go. Thank, we'll, do like a, we'll do like a Sleepwalk American Pie, American Pie Blood Rock medley or something. There you go. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. There you go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, from Los Angeles. Please welcome with open arms and ears, James Roof. Hello, sir. Howdy. Hey, how's your day going, brother? Uh, it's been a little busy, but uh, it's, it's, it's got a crescendo now because I'm talking with you. I understand. Thank you, sir. I understand you've had some uh, some ups and downs in your morning. Things are are things hectic? Are things crazy down there because of the uh, the, the whatever the, the cancellation of the Golden Globes or something? 
Yeah, well, there's the cancellation of the Golden Globes. We're trying to figure out how we're going to cover this thing. I was in a news conference with the Academy of Television of, of uh, Motion Picture Arts and Sciences about um, their voting process and then what they what they hope won't happen or will happen with uh, with the show this year. And then we get word that NBC, at least from what I understand preliminarily, and I haven't been able to, to make any phone calls on this, but maybe you can help me. Uh, apparently, NBC is the only electronic media outlet covering this news conference, this uh, Golden Globe announcement news conference, so no one can actually go to this thing but NBC. Is that true? That's what. That's the way I read the uh, the email that I, I received. Well, that doesn't really seem like a uh, like a stunning way for them to try to maximize what little coverage they're going to get already. Yeah, that's what I thought, you know, and, and, and you would think that they would have a couple of representatives there from the entertainment industry, if you will, um, so we can interview them or whatever, try to get as much out of this thing as they possibly can, but it doesn't look like they want to do that. <laughs> so I'm just trying to figure out exactly what's going on here. Is it, I mean, are they standing, here's a dumb question, are they standing to lose a ton of money because of the, can, this, the de facto cancellation of this, or is it a thing that, I mean, was there much money on the table with the Golden Globes to begin with? A lot of money because of all the entities involved. I mean, everything from phone companies, because all of the media guys, we, you know, we order phone lines and ISDN lines and all this kind of stuff, uh, to catering companies, the people who provide the food and, and the beer companies. They have alcohol at the Golden Globes. I'm going to miss that the most. And then they have, then they have the after parties and all the restaurants and, and all the stuff and the Beverly Hills Motel itself with all the rooms that would they, they would normally have. So, uh, a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money. And then there's the box office problem. Usually when uh, if, if a particular movie wins a Golden Globe, people go see it because they think, wow, that's going to, that the Golden Globes is some kind of bellwether for the Oscars. So they're going to go see these movies to see what, you know, what these movies are all about and what's in the running. And they also think that maybe it, it influences Academy voters too, which I don't think it does. But, yeah, a whole lot of things get lost, including the lots of revenue. Here's an interesting question. Are they canceling the Golden Globes because the stars aren't going to show up or because they don't have anybody to write it? And then my follow-up question is, because the Golden Globes are the foreign press corps, have they considered the possibility of doing it somewhere other than the States? Well, that's, that would, that's an option, but no, because they're not going to get stars to go there either. They're not going to, no one, unless, unless the Hollywood foreign press puts everybody's bill. Because i got to tell you, as much money as these celebrities have, they're cheap about it. And they won't spend, I mean, they don't have to spend a dime. Everything they get is given to them, which is why they have all their money. They never have to spend any of the damn stuff. So they, I don't think they would, I don't think any of the stars would leave. And yes, the reason why it's being canceled is because the stars won't show because they don't want to cross the picket lines by the WGA, and so the, the Golden Globes are saying, if we don't have any presenters, if we don't have any acceptance uh, speeches, if 72 people aren't going to show up to this thing, all the nominees and presenters, it doesn't make any sense to have it. Wow. It is, I mean, <laughs> they really could do it. They could do this thing, they could wing it, they could have a little bit of fun with it, and they could make it into, they could make chicken salad out of this chicken crop if they really try, but I, I think they're just giving up. You know what's interesting, Tom Likas was doing another one of his uh, riffs yesterday about the difference between talk radio and talk television, and how you know, Conan has to go on and spin his wedding ring for, you know, for half an hour or whatever. And meanwhile, you know, you get a talk show like myself or Howard or anybody who cranks out 
whatever, you know, more or less 20 hours of programming, uh, you know, a week without any scripts, without any writers or whatever. It would be interesting to see if some of these, it, what they really ought to do with one of these shows, at least, if the strike continues, is to try to actually trans, uh, what is it, transport one of these shows to radio and do market it to the music stations all across the country to whatever, market a huge sort of radio extravaganza version of one of these and see if that would be a way that they could make it work. Because theoretically, that would... That would eliminate some of these problems if they were able to do some of this stuff on the radio. That's true. Or have a radio guy host the damn thing. If anybody knows how to talk and make sense without a script, it's a radio guy. I mean, you know, we don't have to have anything written down unless we're reading copy because then someone's paying for it. Sure. But you know how that goes. I mean, we can wing this. Thing. We can wing this, and we can make it. We can make it fun. We can we can paint the picture of the movie, people. I, I don't know. It's it's very strange. And while I'm I'm kind of glad because I hate award shows anyway. And I really thought the Hollywood Foreign Press had it. They said, okay, we can give this thing out in an hour. Let's get it done. Um, they're really, they're really screwing up by not allowing us to get in there to help them make this process work. Because yeah. if we can make this work, this can be the way it's done all the time. Yeah. We don't have to go through the three hours of crap we go through. Mm. All right. Uh, well, I'm sorry. You know, now I feel like I have to send you a case of booze because you're going to be denied drinking on the uh, Foreign Press Course tab. Well, I'm stopping at the liquor store on the way home, don't worry. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Jim. Drive safely, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. James Roop, ladies and gentlemen, in Los Angeles. All right. Really, I mean, I hate to go giving people like that ideas, but I'm surprised that, like, Howard or somebody hasn't stepped up and said, you know, just do the Golden Globes right here on my, you know, on my channel or whatever. I mean, that's... I mean, not, not to continually be... And it's not about the glory of, of, of this show, but, I mean, you know, Tom did... I think it was the beginning... No, it was the second hour yesterday. I think. First or second. Anyway, he did like 25, you know, the, the 25 minute monologue really about, which is, the, I think he's done this a couple times before, but as the strike goes on, uh, 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 about the difference between radio and television and whatever. And I mean, I, I mean, I hate to sound snarky about the whole thing, but really, if Conan O'Brien is having trouble filling 44 minutes at night, I mean, it, 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 I, I mean, really, honestly, we fill four hours full of nothing every day. Exactly, and again, it's not just us; it's everybody. It's us. It's Tom. It's Opie and Anthony. Uh, it's you know, it's Howard. It's all of those guys. In everybody who does this, it's not like it would be the best. Well, thing this to, isn't to, about lining up camera angles, and and then this the talking is secondary. I suppose. I just, it, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like generating forty-four minutes of content a night ought to be that. Difficult. Well, they got to move the lights around and the cameras and whatnot. Yeah, but There's I mean, a lot more to it. but I mean, they have to do that. In other words, they have to do that now, anyway. Like with with Conan and with let's, Conan's the best example. Let's take Conan right now because Leno's kind of a hack. So what do you really expect from that guy? You take Conan, who was a writer. He wrote for The Simpsons. He wrote for the Harvard Lampoon. Um, you know, and I mean, he's a legitimately funny guy. You can tell during his interviews when he talks to people, you know, on the couch. He is a funny guy. He has some wit. Now, he's going on there every... In other words, they're going to face the problem, the technical challenges anyway. Uh, you know, where the lighting is going to be and what the cameras are going to be and, you know, what set dressing they're going to need. They're, that challenge is not going to go away, period. If the whole issue is like, what is Conan going to do to actually fill the time, though... It just, I mean, over the course of, what, a solid week, I don't know, what is that? It's four and a half hours of programming over the course of Monday through Friday. That's a total of four hours and 26 minutes or whatever of programming, which is more or less what we do here in a single day, which is not to say, like, that we're the best thing ever. I'm just saying there are people who can kind of, you know, function without a script and without a net and do it every day. 
So I am surprised that somebody, maybe somebody who has a syndicated show or again, like Howard or somebody in a satellite, that they haven't said, look, come here, I'll give you a huge audience, you do the Golden Globes here, and we'll make it a radio spectacular like the days of old. And they may say, well, that's not as much audience as you get. Well, you're getting no audience now. By canceling it, you're getting nothing. And I mean, it's, and it's a way to do it without uh, having people have to cross the writer's uh, picket line. So nobody's having to scab. You're getting more audience than you already would. Uh, you know, it's. A, anyway. I'm all for it. Can Susan Reynolds make this happen? I, you know what? I, if I thought we could do it, I'd offer to do. It. We ought to just, do, we ought to write it and act it. Would you get our list of the Golden Globes awards and just script it out? Maybe the Kodak Theater isn't booked that night. It's we'll not booked every night. Do an artist. You know what? We'll do like that when they did that reenactment of the OJ trial for the longest time on E. We will do a reenactment of the Golden Globes here. Uh, I'll play us in the break here, Sarah. I've got a. Uh, oh, okay. I've got a little. I had something I was going to play in the more break. More La Bamba. What is it? Oh, <laughs> I was thinking about this song. I was going to play Sleepwalk. Okay, we'll come back with Sleepwalk. This is a good song, too. I this like is it. a great song. You know what? If you don't like this song, you have no soul, and you can leave my country now. If you don't know all now. the words, you are never a disc jockey. Uh, do you remember when this song... Well, I actually don't remember this, but you know, this song was originally split on two sides of a 45, because they couldn't fit the whole song it on one side. It faded back in. Yeah. On the flip side. American Pie 1 and 2. And you had to cue past the cue scratches to get right. Sometimes old jukeboxes, like that one at Stanich's, they have this in the jukebox, but it's a 45, so it's actually two different tracks. You have to pay You have to pay to hear both sides, because oh, well, awesome. they couldn't fit it on one side of a record. That has to change. This is a great song. This is a beautiful song. And I know he feels a little hemmed in by this, but I mean, it's worth it, I think. If you can write one... It, it, this is the kind of song that happens to a songwriter not even once in a lifetime. I mean, where would this get played today? Nowhere. Yep. Probably, I mean, K-Hits and those stations probably play it now, but if it was a new song, there would be no outlet for this. If, you know what, if this song came out now... God, I love this song. Who doesn't like this song? I don't know anyone who doesn't like it. You know, I read, I, every now and again I'll read something from somebody who doesn't like American Pie. And I always think that that person has no heart. That's the kind of person who would laugh at the death of Spock. The jester is who, Sarah Dillon? When the jester sang um, Bob Dylan? Yes. No, if this came out now, it wouldn't be played on any of the existing radio formats, and it'd become one of those viral sensations on YouTube. This would be one of those things that people forwarded to each other on the Internet. All right, back after this with the new news hour. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Stay there. Richie, don't worry, man. This guy belongs to the stars. Oh, you're bad person. I live in that neighborhood where Issa Morales is. Richie, it was in Panorama City, which is an L.A. suburb. I was the only white person who lived there. You were the diversity? I was the they diversity of you in Panorama City. Yeah, this is... Now, what did you say they call this, Tim? This this is Sleepwalk. Sleepwalk. The Ventures. No, it's not The Ventures. Well, this version is The Ventures. Oh, okay. Who did this originally? Was oh. it Santo and Johnny? I think it was Santo and Johnny. You're right. God, I spent too much time working in oldies radio. So they called this the song that ended the 60s? Uh, the 50s. The 50s? Why well, was the swan song to the 50s. Is it because, uh, chronologically speaking, it was one of the last 
big hits of that era? Why do they call yeah, it that? Yeah, and it's probably the most memorable uh, song of 1959. This is inexplicably on Adventure's Christmas record that I have this. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, so the tram, let's see. So today, Byron Beck, tomorrow, Mr. Skin, Thursday, the tram, Friday, let me kill Mr. Motorhead. It's going to be a big week. At the Ministry of Truth, he's Tim Riley. Relax, man. Oh, it's cool. You're such a bad person. Besides, the sky belongs to the stars, right? Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A woman has been sexually assaulted at the Gresham Max. Uh, apparently, this was a violent attack on the Max platform at 181st and Burnside. Mm. And it happened on... Uh, these people are just... It happened on Christmas Eve. Oh, really? She had just left a family dinner and was waiting for the train at the Gresham station. When the stranger approached her, she kicked and kicked, and then she screamed, uh, and eventually she let go and called 911. They arrested some guy, though. And his name is 34-year-old Mario Santiago Malungo. He was across the street from the Max station, as brazen as he is, allegedly. God. So this is the third violent attack near the Gresham Max station since November. So all the, these uh, safety concerns are really working well there. Jesus. That's the worst story. It That's is. That's terrible. Yeah. I mean... At Christmas Eve, I was going to say, Max, I mean, not that any of those things are good under any circumstance, but that is just a confluence of terrible circumstances. Yeah. The Gresham Max station on Christmas Eve. And she wants to see the uh, the TriMet officers at every station. Let's see here. So, uh, from the Max, let's see, their communication director, uh, Mary, says, Unfortunately, we couldn't prevent this attack. That's what she said. Uh, she said TriMet has offered more officers in the Gresham area and has taken every precaution to keep riders safe. Yeah, sure they are. Ugh. Don't right. go there uh, right on Max Train tonight unless you're armed. Remember, you can, I was just going to say, remember, you can buy a taser for, what is it, forty nine ninety five? What did that guy say, that taser of yours retail? Yeah, it was like 40 50 bucks. I always carry pepper spray yes, sir, in every one of my coats. The minute you see a guy reaching for his zipper, right to the neck with that thing. Mm -hmm. All right, here's Tim Riley. No, if you're riding the Max, you, you check, make sure you have your lunch, your bag for work, and your pepper spray the time you leave All morning. Right. Uh, there was a uh, morning wreck blocking Northeast Sandy Boulevard today. An officer-involved crash at Block Northeast 28th and Sandy. The intersection is closed right now. The officer, who was on a motorcycle, was traveling westbound when an eastbound motorist made a northbound turn and hit the cop. Apparently, she says she didn't see them, so he has uh, non-traumatic injuries. Here's a kind of an interesting story here. Uh, apparently, an impatient teenager who wanted to download songs on his iPod but couldn't wait for his father to get uh, off the computer started a family fight that led to the arrest of the mother. This happened in Kitsap County. A 46-year-old Kingston man was using the computer when his 13-year-old son demanded to use it so he could download songs on his iPod. The dad refused, and then when he left the room for a moment, the son took over the computer and began downloading songs. When the man took the iPod away as a punishment for disobedience, the boy attacked the dad, biting a chunk of skin off his finger and kicking him in the groin several times. How do you feel about having a child now, sir? A 44-year-old woman that entered the fray, apparently this is the mom, and punched her husband in the face several times, scooping up the teen and leaving. The woman told deputies she thought her husband of 20 years was too strict with her son and shouldn't have taken away the iPod. Wait, what, where was this? This happened in, uh, let's see, Kitsap County. Uh. This is in uh, Washington State. The woman told deputies she thought her husband of 20 years was too strict with her son and shouldn't have taken away the iPod. So the woman is arrested. 
and booked in Kitsap County Jail for fourth-degree assault. The teens involved in the fight has been uh, reported to the uh, Juvie Division of Kitsap County. Uh, all right. Get a dog instead. Really? I can't. I can count on zero. No, the, the worst people in the world own dogs. No. It's just my observation. We all own dogs. I'm not saying that you're bad people. I'm saying the worst people in the world own dogs. So you're saying if you don't, you're not saying if you own dogs, it makes you a bad person. But if you're a bad person, you probably have a dog. Yes. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, let's see. An avalanche on uh, Highway 20 west of Sisters has tripped, trapped three cars, but nobody was injured. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, five separate snow slides crossed the Santiam Highway for a half-mile stretch at milepost 78.5, the largest of the slides. This is over on uh, Hog Rock. It's uh, covering parts of the roadway. Hog Rock. Feet feet next, next to Hog Rock. Sessions presents Hog Rock. The highway remains closed between Blackbutt Ranch and the Santiam Junction all at the, Hog Rock. From Hog Rock all the way out to Blackbutt. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see. There are always unstable, uh, steep terrains in that area. And all the heavy snow we've received, well, if we get an inch overnight, that means we'll probably have a perfect slide. Well, there was, I mean, yesterday there was some sort of, uh, Susan Reynolds, an extra hour to get to work because of Sylvania was, it was all snowed. And of course, in this part of the country, you get like a quarter of inch of snow and everything just freezes. People just completely become terrified. Yeah. So. A 19-year-old who rammed into two, uh, Forest Grove cop cars gets four years in the Husco. Miguel Alzica of Tigard did not explain why he drove into patrol cars and ran from police when they tried to pull him over. He did ask for leniency, saying he, he's almost completed high school now while he was serving time for juvie assault. Uh, but the judge has sentenced him to 47 months in prison, ordered him to pay $14,500 in fees and restitution during three years of post-prison supervision. Uh, let's see, we got some tram capacity emails also. This guy says, Rick, not only should late-night hosts be able to fill less than an hour of content, especially considering that radio shows do four hours each day, he said they don't even have to fill 44 minutes. Consider guests and bands playing a song for four minutes at a time. That's true, because, you know, you know um, musicians aren't bound uh, to not cross the line, right? Right. I mean, musicians aren't members of the Writers Guild. No, I they're, mean, they're members of ASCAP or whatever, uh, yeah. but they're not members of the Writers Guild. Uh, he says they have very little to do um, or plan after the first 10 or 15 minutes of a show. So really, if you're a guy who hosts a late-night program and you don't have any writers, all you're really responsible for is doing the opening monologue and the opening whatever, and then it's just a band and a guest and a, you know, a break, and then you're back and you wrap up and you're done. So, yeah, whatever. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. So the first 17 votes have been cast in the New Hampshire primary. Voters in Dixville Notch got the chance to yeah. cast their vote at uh, midnight. Honey, we're going to Dixville tonight. Apparently, uh, this is a uh, tiny incorporated hamlet. It's just about 20 miles from the Canadian border in northern New Hampshire, and it's uh, very unique to the townspeople. It was appropriate that a small town in way up in the middle of nowhere could uh, uh, basically be a part of the voting process in a way that uh, made them felt it. Said this man who has no teeth. What is a hamlet, by the way? That's one of those phrases people use, and I myself have used it. Yeah, but yeah. I don't really know if it has an actual meaning or is it only used colloquially. Is it a hamlet, just a yeah. town? Yeah, it's a picturesque little town. All right. Like at a, a, a Christmas card or whatever. A picturesque town requires, by the way, that it have a soda fountain behind which a man it jerks your soda. And it yeah. also has to have at least three picket fences within eyeshot of anywhere. Yeah. Uh, many presidential candidates make it a point to visit Dixville or not. Well, because of the publicity, we, we get a disproportionate share of candidates coming by for our size of population. 
you know, can I just, and you know that a guy like Mitt Romney just resents having to go talk to these, uh, I'm not going to say they're hicks because they're in New Hampshire. There's some other word for them probably. Hicks. Are they hicks? So you're from New Hampshire. You can you can tell me if that's true. Well, they live in the North Country, not that far north is, uh, is the Canadian border. Is that the Estacada of New Hampshire, Tim? No, it's close to Canada. Really? And, and, and uh, Quebec is kind of like New Hampshire's Mexico. Okay. Um, but you know that Mitt Romney just holds it. He hates all these people. Having to go there and talk to some guy who's busy churning butter or syrup or whatever you people do. You know, and sitting on the front porch peeling apples. <laughs> chewing on some straw. And, you know, Mitt Romney's having to come by and talk to them like they're, you know, like they have 54 electoral votes or something. All right. Uh, let's see. So who got the most votes? Barack Obama's the big winner. Uh, he got seven votes. John Edwards got two. That should tell Bill you Richardson all, got one. All you need to know about this process. Hillary by the Clinton way. zero. Barack Obama's the big winner with seven votes. But the funny thing is, usually the sole town votes straight Republican. So what is it? So Barack got seven. Yeah. Uh, Edwards got two. Two. Richardson one. Hillary none. None. <laughs> uh, only three Republicans received votes. John McCain uh, got four. Uh, Mitt Romney got two. Rudy and, uh, let's see, uh, had one Dix Bullnut resident vote for him. So All right. Did Ron Paul get anything? Who? No. No. There aren't enough residents here. No, but I, gotta, but I have to tell you, boy, those Ron Paul people, they really are the tribbles of the political world. Uh, I was watching the coverage last night, and you know what Ron Paul is? Here's what I, I've, come, I've come to this realization. This is what Ron Paul is. Uh, this is a little inside shop talk analogy. Ron Paul is the K-Pam uh, of the political world, you know what? Apparently, limitless pockets. You know, a lot of a lot of money to throw around. So a ton of advertising. No one pays any attention to it though. No. I mean, really, apart from like the five hardcore loyalists who have all you know suckered some of their friends into going and standing in front of camera with it. With oh, I don't know about that. Bob Miller got run over on his motorcycle. <laughs> the um, the, the uh, uh, well, then we have that. Weren't we trying to figure out how far the motorcycle could possibly have dragged yeah. him? See, that's the best publicity they've gotten since they went on the air. Maybe maybe Ron Paul should be dragged behind something. Maybe Ron Paul should get, what is that, like, uh, where's he from, Texas? I'm not sure. Or so Clydesdale or whatever it is, whatever they have down there. Horses. Anyway, he should get in some, some sort of an accident. I mean, I'm not saying he should. I wish him the best of health and a long life. I'm saying for publicity purposes, he should, uh, I don't know, something sort of kooky should happen to him. Mm. That's what he should do. He should plan some sort of a, uh, I don't know. What's the kind of thing that would get get noticed? He um he should Ron Paul here's okay Ron Paul I'm gonna give you a little free advice. Here's what he ought to do. Ron Paul ought to uh, construct some incident mm-hmm. in which he is getting sap out of a tree in New Hampshire mm-hmm. and then something happens. He has to too early uh, for sap right now. He has to go get a bandage or something. I don't know. I'm just trying to help out. It, but he gets of course he gets no votes, but there is a lot of money to throw around for advertising. And so everywhere you, every time CNN would turn the camera on the crowd yesterday, you would just see nothing but a sea of Ron Paul signs. And every time they would see the red light and the camera go on, they would just begin chanting. It's like a pack of uh, a pack of things, pack of lemmings. Anyway, so I did have this. This is Randy King, who is a uh, a reporter for CNN, and she is doing this whole take on female voters. Uh, and she has she has a couple of great moments here. So this is her talking about the appeal of Barack Obama to female voters 
And then she has this other thing at the end about female voters in general. Let me see if I can get this to you. Randy Kay with a look at the female vote up close. The female vote. Good friends Karen Giuliano and Allison Mundry were once both steadfast supporters of Hillary Clinton. Now, she's going to go to this so-called... This is what I mean about marketing yourself as an expert, by the way. She's going to go to some woman uh, for comment, and I think... I think the woman's only credential is that she has just announced that she is an expert on how women think. Um, listen to how they describe the appeal of Barack Obama to women, though. But listen to Karen now. I'm going to cast my vote for Obama. At what point did Hillary Clinton lose you? Fairly recently, she has decades of built up, at least in my perception, decades of built up political favors that she's going to have to pay back. Obama doesn't have that. He just doesn't operate that way. To Karen, Barack Obama is the face of integrity. Psychology professor Elizabeth Ossoff, who studies women's behavior. Now, they're talking about Barack Obama's appeal to women and theoretically the appeal of anything to women. What is the most condescending way they could possibly describe that? Anybody know what phrase they're going to use? Nope. Okay. You're not going to see it because it's so unbelievably obvious and ridiculous, you won't see it until she says it. Behavior calls him the new bright and shiny. Younger women and younger people in general. The new bright and shiny. They have actually referred to Barack Obama as a bright, shiny object. Barack Obama is the face of integrity. Psychology professor Elizabeth Ossoff, who studies women's behavior, calls him the new bright and shiny. Younger women and younger people in general tend to gravitate towards that which is new and novel. Okay, so there you go. That's the entirety of that woman's contribution. She came on and she said that people in general gravitate towards things that are new and have novelty value to them. So there you go. It sounds like an episode out of Mad Men. And you, they're, they're trying to market that carousel. <laughs> and you Exactly. And you know that that woman charges like 50 grand to go on speaking tours or go to like corporations and mm. tell them how to market to people. And that's her groundbreaking observation. People like stuff that's new and interesting. Um... Let me just wrap this up here. I'll skip to the end where Randy King is talking about... Now, here's the thing. And I don't mean to sound all PC about it or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. It just seems strange. So all through this piece, they're talking about female voters. And they're, you know, that they go to pundits or professors or, uh, you know, scribes. Or, they, have, they have people sort of uh, weighing in uh, on what female voters find appealing. And it's fine because they have outsider third-party um third uh, party sort of commentators talking about this but at the end randy king who was actually the journalist doing the piece just flat out says like she just cnn will now tell you how women think I'm, I'm respond should she continue to be more aggressive against obama some women will look at that and say yeah look at her go uh, let's That's see where does it like this at a new hampshire cop look at her and go oh, nasty you know uh, i don't want could serve her well I see you candid. More spicy. All right, here we go. If anything, can Clinton do to persuade women voters here? Experts suggest she be more candid, more spontaneous, less measured. More emotional moments like this at a New Hampshire coffee shop could serve her well. I see what's happening. Okay, so this is the... Um... Reverse it. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to respond. Should she continue to be more aggressive against Obama? Some women will look at that and say, yeah, look at her Where is this second thing that I'm looking for? The polls at this point. And Obama continues to woo women. Why? To woo, woo women. women. Women are relationship or All right, here we go. So, so this is it. Oh, so here's this reporter from CNN. And keep in mind, this is not like a this is not like an outside source. This is not a journalist, uh, you know, like a, a 
this isn't like a commentator or an editorialist. This isn't a professor. This is just the reporter from CNN who now is telling you, in CNN's opinion, how women think. Yet Obama continues to woo women. Why? Why? Women are relationship-oriented, and his message resonates. Women prefer someone who wants to bring people together, a candidate who wants everyone to get along. It's just odd. I mean, I don't really care. It's not like I'm the keeper of journalistic standards. It's just odd that CNN has now decreed, this is how women think. All female brains operate this way, says CNN. That's kind of creepy. It's just weird. I mean, you know, whatever. All right, here's Tim Riley. That is strange, isn't it? Yes, it is. I do have a non-political story from Can uh, New Hampshire. All right. A snowy owl became trapped in a home's chimney and has been saved by firefighters. Uh, Gene Smith, who lives on uh, Poverty Lane in Lebanon, <laughs> called firefighters to help. Poverty uh, Lane? Yeah, she lives on Poverty Lane in Lebanon. Really? Called firefighters to help after realizing the bird was stuck in her chimney. The owl was uh, perched on a fireplace napper, which firefighters managed to take out, capturing the bird afterwards. Then they released a small owl unharmed back into the wild. Is Poverty Lane where people during the holiday season line up and walk through with mugs of hot chocolate looking at bums standing around burning barrels? Before they go to the poorhouse. Exactly. The uh, poorhouse. Uh, things get a little bit testy during the Fox News host Bill O'Reilly's visit to New Hampshire as he covered the first in the nation primary. Block the shot. Got it? Don't block the shot. No, you're not. You're blocking the shot. Get over there. Get him out of there. We have a right to be here to shoot the shot. <laughs> what is I, who is that? So that's a uh, Bill O'Reilly. He was attempting to speak to Barack Obama in Nashua. Yeah. He had to run in for, with the uh, Illinois Senator Secret Service team. You really don't want to push around the Secret Service, even if you are Bill O'Reilly. Uh, it, it was a six foot eight person. O'Reilly aired the video footage from the encounter last night. Wait, so he was trying to shove a, a, a Secret Service guy out of the yeah, way? Apparently, so O'Reilly uh, can be seen actually pushing the staff member to the side in an effort to get him to stop blocking the shot. In which O'Reilly argued with it violating his constitutional rights oh, as a free press. How satisfying would it have been if they had just turned around and pistol whipped him right there? Mm -hmm. Oh, how deeply gratifying. So would then that he have had been? some uh, choice words with the Obama staff member. He accused of blocking his shot. Yeah, that's really low class, pal. Really low class, and everybody in the world will see it. Bill O'Reilly would love to see your ass kicked. <laughs> Bill O'Reilly, the, the world would like to see the arbiter of taste and class. Oh, it would have been. I know that Donna Mike did a whole riff on this, but it really would would have just been so wonderful on every conceivable level if the Secret Service had just taken him down and just beaten him to a pulp. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Mitt Romney said the secret to victory is who the children choose. The kids' poll, which has never been wrong, came out heavily in my favor. <laughs> How sad. Is that what you're pinning your hopes to? I'm polling strongly in five- to seven-year-olds. In the paste-eating demographic, I reign supreme. Uh, Hillary Clinton spoke to supporters and was against that uh, Senator Barack Obama allegedly compared himself to two American icons. Senator Obama used President John F. Kennedy and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to criticize me. <laughs> and, you know, basically compared himself to two of our greatest heroes. President Kennedy was a war hero. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he was gassed, he was beaten, he was jailed. Where was she speaking? That wasn't from the same coffee shop appearance, was it? We found out it was a coffee shop she was at. Yesterday. Yeah, and then she delivered some donuts and coffee today from Dunkin' Donuts. Did she? Out. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, undated from New Hampshire. Because say. I wonder if that's from the same, because she's got that same soft delivery mm -hmm. going on there. Mm -hmm. Which it doesn't, it, it just doesn't play well. It makes her sound kind of fragile. 
And you know, whatever anybody might think about Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton doesn't come off as anybody's, uh, you know, anybody's idea of, of the fragile or yeah. delicate. But this whole business of her trying to speak softly and carry the big stick doesn't really. I think that is a, that is a tactic from a bygone era. Uh, Mike Huckabee says he and Obama have a lot of things in common. I'm the youngest person in my primary. <laughs> He's the youngest person in his primary. We represent not only an attitudinal change, but a generational change. And we're both bringing a message that says, let's change the tone of Washington, let's change the politics. You know what's fascinating is that all of the Republicans have, for the last six months, been operating under the assumption that they're going to be facing off against Hillary. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, the game plan changes. Which is kind That's of gratifying, good. actually. That is sort of great, just from an observational point of view, that forever they've been, I mean, they've been trashing Hillary on the campaign trail. They've been mentioning, I mean, they, they had this great footage last night on CNN of Mitt Romney over the last three months has constantly in his speeches been saying, and I'm the candidate who can beat Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton will fall at the hands of Mitt Romney. And then within about three days, they had to change and retrofit their entire attack plan. And, of course, they figured – I think they figured that they had the election in a walk because Hillary is just such a divisive figure. All they had to do was like, you know, Hillary is a shrew and just jack up her negatives a few more points, and then they would win. Mm -hmm. But I think Barack Obama, I think they have a kind of a slippery hold on that guy. I think they feel like he is an unknown quantity. And if his halo continues to – there is a sort of wave with that guy. And if, if he continues to be anointed – you know, as the uh, as uh, you know, as a godsend by everybody for the next few months, they're not going to be able to lay a glove on him, and he will just he will he will decimate the Republicans this fall if things continue like they are. Well, what's Fred Thompson up to? You ask. Well, he has given up in New Hampshire because he said he's going to go to South Carolina because that's where the action is. We're not going to be competitive in uh, New Hampshire. I started a campaign in South Carolina, and uh, this is the gateway to the South and to the West. The gateway to the know, South. From here on until February the fifth, you know that that's where most of the action is going to be. Who yeah. is this? Uh, Fred Thompson. He's still running. Yeah. All right. That's where all the suburban Republicans uh, were going to go. Wasn't Rudy that's Giuliani running for president at one point? He was. Wasn't there some period of time when he was? Yes, he was backed by Dennis Miller. Clearly the How key. funny. Dennis Miller isn't talking about that anymore. But I will say something for Dennis Miller. He has cleared his 150th station, so congratulations. I was going to say, he's heard by like 50 times the people we are. So, um, but, but, you know, and to be fair, he was actually talking about, he was actually complaining a little bit about Giuliani, about how Giuliani is. I must have missed that. What did he call him today? He was Well, he was talking about, he was pointing out, and this is true, that Giuliani is clearly doing some, this must be by design. I mean, Giuliani can't just be thinking, like, he can't have forgotten that the primary is happening. I don't think he's at home, like, oversleeping. No, he was campaigning like crazy in New Hampshire forever until the primary got here. Then he was nowhere to be found. Because fine. I think he's already in South Carolina That's, yeah. or in Florida. Well, with um, Fred Thompson. I think, I think Giuliani, I don't know, but I think Giuliani's his, his strategy may be that he's just going to stay out of it and let everybody else beat themselves to a pulp. Which is, this is sort of a, a known campaign tactic, that he's just going to hang back and let everybody else beat themselves up and drive up each other's negatives, and then he will come in at the last moment, relatively scandal-free and untainted, uh, and walk away with the nomination. Because, you know what, in a na because here's the thing, uh, and I know that we're talking a lot about the, the politics today, but or, or current events, as we say, uh, but that's just going to have to be okay with everybody. Um, well, this is an educated crowd. They don't. Well, the thing is, the, the the national polls and the New Hampshire poll and the Iowa caucus are all three different things. Because right now, of course, the Barack won in, in Iowa. He's polling to win in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. But you know what? In a national poll, uh, like as of last night, Hillary is still ahead nationwide. Mm -hmm. If the election were held tomorrow, it would still be Hillary and Giuliani, according to like every poll in the known universe. So I think Giuliani is figuring he's just going to stay back and he's going to let those guys beat each other up for a few weeks. 
and then he's going to come in like the Archangel Gabriel uh, and and be the nominee. So voting is heavy, and they have uh, run out of the ballots. Actually, the punch cards they use in the machines in uh, some of the major cities, including uh, Nashua, Pelham, and parts of Manchester. Is there going to be a problem with Chad's? No, there won't be. Oh. But we're going to have coverage. Uh, you'll find out who won first by listening to us during Lycus. Yes, you will. Because I have the hookup. <laughs> and I have more experience covering the New Hampshire primary than anyone else in the North. That's true. Native son. Right. Native son, Tim Riley. Oh. I know all the ins and outs. Fantastic. So make sure you're listening this afternoon. You'll hear one. Are there any more questions on the New Hampshire primary? I think we had some earlier. Sarah Dillon in the back. I just didn't know what it I'm, I sound stupid, but I don't know. Maybe other people don't know. I don't follow politics a lot. I know kind of what it is, but what... This is the Would beginning... Would it help if there were things that were brighter and shinier, Sarah? Yes, I want a bright, shiny president. <laughs> I don't know. I just the president will chew my so this food. So this is the narrowing down of who we're going to ultimately yes. vote for for president, yes. right? Yeah, it is... Uh... The economy of some places depends on it. Yeah, no, it's. It, I'm trying to think of, of, of a way to, to sort it of... It is a leveling uh, out. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to think of a, of a way to describe it, but it, it basically is... Say you get a bunch of bad board ops. And sooner or and later... I'm pulling up a chair. I have to hear how this works. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Sooner or later, they all bite the dust, little by little. Bit. Well, uh, uh, Sam isn't a very good board op. He has to go. We'll put him on weekends. Uh, Billy is pretty good. We'll start him on nights. But he's not going to stay there forever. So a- after a while, all the board ops go, and you've seen them come and go over the years, and all of a sudden, only the good ones stay. It is a series of, just like the Iowa, the Iowa caucus, which just happened, you can think of that in, in, in a sense as a very small primary. It is a series of initial uh, votes. Um, through it's designed which, to wear people down. Yeah, through which you determine... Uh, the overall viability of the different candidates, and then the party chooses their nominee. So it's in specific regions of the country. Yeah, well, every they do state. it. Yeah, they do it in every state, but it's there's a calendar. Uh, there's a calendar. In certain states happen in a certain order. You know, New Hampshire. New Hampshire is always first. New Hampshire, and then South Carolina. You know, and then there's a thing called Super Tuesday, which is where when most of them. Where there's yeah, where there's 19 different states. I think that all go on Super Tuesday. That, but anyway, it's a way to. It's a series of initial or uh, preliminary votes. To let you just sort of get the lay of the land, see who's up, who's down, who's strong. And a lot of, as Tim noted, a lot of states make a ton of money because there's so much campaign advertising. And then, of course, the entire infrastructure of the campaigns is put, you know, like everybody's in New Hampshire. I mean, that town has been overrun by politicians and their aides and their delegates and their ad men and their advisors for a month now, at least. Mm-hmm. And the TV station, their bill's like $100,000 a week. Yeah, political advertising just goes through the roof. Yeah. But it's a series of preliminary votes. And then once all the primaries are done, then the parties basically are able to look at the lay of the land, tally up, you know, look at the board, so to speak, and say, well, this is who we think is going to be the strongest candidate for the Republican Party, or this is who is going to be the strongest candidate for the Democratic Party. Okay. So so if the next, you know, whatever, if, if the next X number of primaries, Barack continues to be strong, that lets the Democrats say, Barack is our guy. But if Hillary, let's say, wins today and the next five and then Barack wins, you know, whatever, if they split it, if, if Hillary wins a handful of primaries and then Barack wins a handful of, you know, states, then, you know, it's a little bit of a harder choice, but it gives them an idea of the strengths of each candidate. So Okay. Uh, apparently, has anybody seen this Andy Rooney thing of him talking about Barack Obama's name? I didn't know Andy Rooney was still alive. See, I didn't either. Um, and apparently, we are the Tiffany Network here. Uh, CBS does present the finest programming in all forms of media. And this is from Juan Cat, which is a great blog. Um, apparently, Andy Rooney has, I'll play this here, this little riff about um, the kooky names of some of this year's presidential candidates. I have not pre-screened this, but it is Andy Rooney Uh-oh. here. The primary season has kicked into high gear, and tonight, so does Andy. 
By the way, I noticed that Andy's taking a page out of the I Must Playbook in that... Wow! Wow, he's old. Jesus, don't look quite yet. No, he's all ear hair. <laughs> Damn. He's like Paul Sorvino's corpse. Um, he's like if Paul Sorvino drank out of the wrong grail. Um, it, it, so, but... You know how on, on 60 Minutes they do that thing of the guy has the uh, the title card behind him that looks like a big magazine page? Tonight, our Andy Rooney weighs in on the fall television season. The photo of Andy Rooney that they use is from like 40 years ago. It's like when you see Imus and he's got the full head of hair still. Yeah. Um, and then they, what's so bad, they have the, the press picture of Andy Rooney behind this guy who's introducing him. And then they cut to the real Andy Rooney oh. who looks like... Imagine if Droopy the dog were actually a human and then was also 120 years old and had some sort of wasting disease. Here's Tim. There's. Oh, jeez. Yeah, there's. Uh, that's Andy Rooney. Oh. Just older and he sicker. He just looks grumpy. Older and sicker. Well, let's see he's what it's. always been grumpy. Let's but see what he's actually old. Has to, uh, has to say about wacky politics uh, and uh, the names therein. Look at our political system and the way we do things in this country. You have to wonder why we're doing as well as we are. The smartest president we ever had was probably either Thomas Jefferson or Franklin D. Roosevelt. Jefferson was not only a good president, he was a real intellectual, too. And while not everyone would agree that Roosevelt was a great president, he turned this country around when it badly needed to be turned. Both Roosevelt and Jefferson had names that sounded presidential, too. I like that. This year, we started the presidential process Thursday with what we call the Iowa Caucus. The winners were named Barack Obama and Mike Huckabee. You think the name Barack Obama compares to Abraham Lincoln? Or Jeez. What do you suppose he means by that? I don't know. <laughs> wow. Mike Huckabee That's uncomfortable. George Washington. Maybe Obama's the new Washington, of course, or the new Lincoln. The former mayor of New York, Rudolph Giuliani, wants to be president of the country. Our nation's capital was named after our first president, George Washington. If Rudolph Giuliani had been our first president, do you think Washington would have been called Giuliani? Giuliani, D.C.? Really? I, I think, he, I think he, he's kind of like stuck... Writing for the Stars and Stripes in 1946. This this is really awkward to listen to. It really is. Proud to call him a co-worker. If you were flying from New York to London, maybe you wouldn't go to Kennedy Airport anymore. Instead, you'd fly from Mitt Romney International. Tourists in the nation's capital wouldn't have a Washington Monument. They'd go climb the Huckabee Monument. The names of our government leaders have always been important in this country. A lot of schools were named Roosevelt. Both Lincoln and Washington have a lot of things named after them. Streets, parks, even cars. The Lincoln Continental, for instance. How about a Biden Continental or a Kucinich Navigator? It would be nice to be so famous and popular that they name something after you, but it'll never happen to me. There's something inconsequential about the name Andy. Maybe my mother knew something. She always called me Andrew. Is that the end? You know, he makes like $15 million a year. Yeah. <laughs> if only they could give him and Katie Couric a show together. Uh, turn everybody's fortunes around. Show us your legs, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you give me another splash of bourbon and show me your gams? Watch with all these ethnic-sounding names. You know, that's like... I, I mean, cannot believe Really, that. that is... I think that is the implied subtext there. Yeah. That's exactly what he's saying. Watch with Obama and Giuliani. <laughs> all right. Well, there's Andy Rooney, ladies and gentlemen.
He speaks for us all. Let's uh, take a break. We'll come back after this. We will continue the new news hour. Uh, let's see. Uh, later on, we have uh, Lisa Desjardins joining us from Manchester. Uh, top five, Byron Beck from the Willamette Week and all that. Say, that's the Rick Emerson Show. The Internet is a strange and mysterious place, is it not? All right. He's an ordained chaplain, Of right? course he is. All right. 503 not me. 503 I want to see some of his favorite links. Somebody just sent me this. Rick, have you seen this guy from the, what is it called? What is it? What is the name of the party? Rick, have you seen this guy running for national, the, he's running for president of the National Socialist Order of America ticket, which is, you know, Nazis. So you go there and it's, it's just a huge flag, a huge cross, and a huge swastika. Which, you know, it's strange, though, and people don't really realize this, and I don't... I haven't seen it as much in Oregon as you saw it in Washington, but in Washington, when the presidential, uh, you know, you would get the... You'd look at the ballot, and there was always just people from, like, 15 different parts, like people you'd never heard of the rest of the year. And, you know, not just the libertarians. There'd be the libertarians, and there'd be the greens, and there'd be the, there'd be the national socialists, and there'd be the national communist party, and just... I mean, it really was great. It was like all the United Colors of Benetton were there to run for the highest office in the land. It was pretty great in a horrible kind of way. Here is Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, especially around here, all these crazy parties go back to, like, the early 1900s, and they've always had candidates on the ballot. Yeah. Now, it's a bunch of guys who live in a trailer somewhere surrounded by people who call them Fuhrer. You know, mm -hmm. and they go out and get me some signatures. Here's uh, one in New Hampshire who's sick and tired of being bonded by the candidates, reporters, and anybody. Oops, my pot's down. Big circus. Uh, unbelievable. Way too much. I look forward to voting for years, and now that I'm voting, I'm wondering if really it's worth it. Really, it's the circus. It's a circus. I went by here at 5.30 this morning. I went right by because... What, that is a combination of French-Canadian and New England. A lot of French-Canadians... Now, would you suspect that he is uh, originally from Canada? Yes. And then he... Now, does that happen a lot? A lot yes. of people... Grow My brother-in-law is Canadian. Really? Yes. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe the National Socialist Party needs to know about that, Tim. Yes. All right. nah, that's okay. His, My sister... his, his name is uh, Roger, but he pronounced it Roger. So <laughs> from then on, my dad renamed him Reggie. Really? And he's known to this day as Reggie. In your face, Reggie. Hey. Uh, that's okay. You know what? My, my sister, I think my sister actually, well, you can never really lose your U.S. citizenship unless you actively renounce it, right? Yes. Like it stays with you. So my sister's a dual citizen. My sister has lived in Canada for about 12 years now. Uh, where she was given health care almost immediately, by the way. Uh, yeah, so my uh, sister's up there uh, married to some guy in the Canadian Air Force, which is used for God knows what purpose. I mean, really, Canadian honestly. Air Force? Well, that, those, I mean, it sounds like a joke. It is. Him and his big beady eyes and his flappy Canadian head up there flying planes to defend Canada. What is it? I mean, honestly, and I'm not trying to be flip about this. Do they have an and Is there a Canadian Navy? Yes, there is. I've heard of the, the Canadian Navy sends ships to the Rose Festival every year. Really? Yep, they send a ship. Is that really? Is that the only thing they exist for? Is it, is it a purely decorative military force? I'm not trying to condescend to Canadians, but pretty much isn't like, I mean, isn't the isn't the military protecting the Canada pretty much ours? I mean, isn't that the thing? Well, it, it's uh, let's see, it's a British Commonwealth country. It's under the control of the Queen. That's not, that's not true. Is yes, it? it is. The Queen's face is on their money, and she gets paid for it, too. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I've never, been, it, to, I've never it, been to Canada, so... Yeah, they have pink dollar bills. At least they used to with the Queen's picture on it. How strange. Yeah. I had no idea. Wait, now let me understand this. So, we have Canadians listening. They must know. So, when you, so 
So when you say that they they were part of the British Commonwealth, does that mean that Canada... They're still part of the British Commonwealth. Now, what does that mean, it's, do you suppose? Well, they don't have... Uh, they, they don't control countries anymore. They pretend that they're independent, but they're really not. So are they under the control... They're not under the control of the Canadian... Of the Canadian... The, uh, the British government or monarchy in any way. The monarchy, they are. But the monarchy can't really but, make you do anything, can they? I don't think so, unless you really get the queen mad. I mean, is the mon- I'm trying to think of a comparison. The monarchy sort of, here's, let me we ask you this. We don't have anything like that here. No, we just have the Kennedys. Yeah. Is the monarchy sort of like, let me ask you this, Tim, because you know things and I don't. Is the don't monarchy kind of like when they give someone the key to the city? Yeah. That it sort of looks great, but you can't really do anything with it. Right. I was watching this documentary the other day. I was watching Kissology Volume 1 when they were given the key to Cadillac, Michigan. And the guy's like, Paul Stanley, I present you with the key to the city. And I was thinking to myself, like, you can't just go and get free waffles with that or anything. I mean, it doesn't really do anything for you. So is that what the, the monarchy basically is? Yeah, it's an independent country, All right. but technically it's still under control of the queen. Don't ask me how they figure so it the out. So the queen's picture is on the Canadian money. Yeah. How strange. Yeah. What other countries are like that? Well, there's there's Ireland, I guess, right? There's some, that whole... Australia, I think. And Australia. Okay, let me ask you this, speaking of Australia. And a whole bu- bunch of... Uh, what, what's that one they went to war over in... Uh, the Falklands. Yeah, that thing, too, that sheep ranch. Yeah, because they went to war with, what's his name? Uh, that was... Nobody remembers. Who was the guy running Argentina at the time? That wasn't some general. I want to say Pinochet, but that, that's no, wrong, I think. I think. So. That's the guy from... Uh, what's well, they beat the crap out of them anyway. And they never get off a ship. <laughs> it is true. I think Clyde was in Argentina during the Falkland Islands War, actually. I wonder if he started it. I think he was... Uh, I'm sure he has an interesting theory about who did. No, he was there on his mission, I think, uh, for the church uh, when, when, the, the, uh, when the Falkland Islands War happened. Uh, anyway... Margaret Thatcher just decided to put her iron-heeled boot down on an entire country. And she was right. No, seriously. <laughs> you don't mess with Margaret Thatcher. Um, hey, speaking of, of this, well, you were talking, I was going to talk about Australia anyway, because you were, what was it you were asking right before the show? How, why were you even talking about Australia? Oh, oh cause the Sarah, because Sarah. Because of accent. the lost so we, Yeah, we get ready to go on the air, and Sarah is playing a little clip from the lost marketing campaign. Which is just genius. And Tim immediately responds with, God, I hate Australian accents, because the guy was Australian in it. And so I... I re- Not the Australian people. No, you just don't like... And you were asking how they came up with that accent. Yeah. Because it's... It's far away. Here's the answer to that. All right. The Australian accent is actually a bastardization of the... Of the uh, um, the the typical British accent. Then the, why don't we all have it? Because we're closer to them than they are. Well, touche, Tim. Check and mate. I don't know, because isn't, isn't that the thing that Australia was originally a dumping ground for criminals from the U.K.? So is America for all the religious cooks who still have them in the South. I suppose. Well, yeah, but you people up in New England, you do have kind of British accents still. We don't have them out here. No. You know, out on the right-thinking West Coast, Tim. But, I mean, on the East Coast, people there still have a New York them. accent is, is not the same as a Boston accent. So no. what's it a mix of? Austra- what, Australia? Yeah. Australia was, it was originally where it, yeah, was, penal it was a big penal colony where, where England dumped all their hoodlums. So, like, it was the Alcatraz of, of England. And, and, like, and now they don't, they don't have that luxury, so now they have to live with them in their own country. <laughs> It's, it's true. There's no longer. It was just if sort you of were a, bad in England. You got thrown someplace else. I'm not trying to knock the Australian people. I mean, you shouldn't be, you know, held accountable for what you know for your, for your ancestors and your forefathers and whatever. The sins of the father need not be re- revisited on the son. And we have some listeners in Australia over the internet, and whatnot. But originally, Australia was. I mean, it was just populated by criminals who had been booted out of of England, uh, and the thing, and I think Scotland too. Uh, I think the deal was. That if you were just incorrigible, I mean, there was like a three-strike system, and I think if you just proved that you couldn't be rehabilitated and you were just so ne'er-do-well, they would put you on a boat, 
Um, and, and they would just uh, cart you off to Australia, and they would just kick you off at the shore of it. Make a go of it. Bye now. Bye then. Uh, which I think also happened during the Irish potato famine. I think there's that song. I yeah. think in fields. That's, well, that's when they, they they came into Boston. And in the you know fields of Athenry, there's that guy talks about being in Bodney Bay, which is where they would put you on a ship if you were a criminal, and they would they would set you up to sea. And I think you ended up just being dumped in Australia, which is why the Australian accent is sort of a derivation of the traditional British accent. Okay, but let me now ask you this. On the 22nd of September. Yeah. Yeah. Oceanic flight 815 took off You're from right. Sydney bound for yeah. LA. There were 324 passengers and crew. Tim's just notably It's sort of a warped version of the British accent. Um, it, because it was just spoken by a bunch of thugs for, you know, however many hundred years. Uh, let me ask you this question. Has anybody... I thought this only existed in risk. I'm looking at a list of continents. I meant to get to this forever ago. This is a breakdown of in what countries we are listened to uh, over the Internet. Uh, because, you know, we, we, we have this show uh, online. It's archived. We have the podcasting. Soon we'll have streaming. I know a lot of people listen at night because I always get a, a spike in viewing when people listen to something that we mentioned on my website, and it happens at night. Yeah. For some reason. Uh, I think a lot of times it's because people will talk about a website or whatever, and people will make a note of it, and they'll look it up when they get home. Yeah. Or people go online, and they listen to the show later in the day. Like, we have some uh, people we know in the audience who are listening right now, but to yesterday's program. In other words, you know, they will download the show, and then they'll listen to it in the morning. And then that night, they download that show and listen to that the next morning. So they're always a day behind. But we've got this. This is uh, Bridget from upstairs pulled this for me. This is from our web server. It is breaking down. It's amazing. You can look at who listens to us by continent, by type of computer they use, by country, by city. Who listens to radio? Exactly. Who listens to radio? Millions. That's who. Okay. Uh, okay. The top country, of course, is America. What would you guess the next country is in terms of our listening base? Canada. No. no. Canada's number five. Oh. Got a guess? The UK? Uh, no, the United Kingdom is 12. Oh. United States, then followed by Japan. What? Japan. Japan, uh, Italy, Canada, Australia, Kuwait, Spain, India, China, South Korea, United Kingdom, Germany, Netherlands, Norway, Jamaica, Argentina, Switzerland, Ireland, Jamaica? France. Yes. That's awesome. No, I barely knew her. Ah! Oh, oh. See, because that's a callback. Yeah, I know. I wonder yeah. if it's because a lot of service people are in Japan. Yeah, I know we have a lot of service people in Kuwait who listen to us. Mm-hmm. Might be Japan as well. Uh, but here we have the top continents uh, for Rick Emerson's show online listening. North America, followed by other. Um, Asia, Europe, and then Australasia. I thought that was just a term in, in risk. Is Australasia Australia? Australasia. It actually it says that. Is it Australasia. I don't know. I, I I mean I've heard that referred to, but I always thought it was sort of a gag. Like I didn't think it was a real name. Uh, South America and then Africa. So there you go. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, so uh, David Letterman has gone and shaved off his beard on the uh, television last night. Oh, you're breaking my heart. Oh, man. Wow, that sounds well, if I see this stuff on eBay, I'm coming after you. Can you play that again? That does sound really It easy. sounds like our Whitney watch. <laughs> A stack oh, of dildos. breaking my heart. Oh, man. <laughs> well, if I see this stuff on eBay, I'm coming after you. Wow. Ew. All right. Uh, then the Daily Show is back. Uh, John Stewart noted that the show is put on by talented people, including the writers, and that will be a change in the name of it. The show that we've uh, been extremely proud of uh, these past few years. Uh, 
So from, from now on until the end of the strike, uh, we will be doing a daily show with Jon Stewart, but not the daily show. Half for the Cannibal Watch. Okay, here's your Cannibal Watch on KCMD Portland for Tuesday. So yesterday we told you about the uh, cannibal who lives in Texas, who ate his girlfriend. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the sister of the uh, the eating victim, uh, Sister Rebecca, says she's still in shock over her sister's death. I just can't believe she's gone. I can't believe that she was taken from us in this kind of a way. Uh, she wants the uh, cannibal victim to be remembered for her life and not for the circumstances of her death. We want the story to be about Jana and her, her life, her beauty and her life. She was a sweet and tender girl. Um, she was a very good woman. Jana was always happy. She always smiled. She was very compassionate. I don't even get a courtesy laugh for that. She was a sweet and tender girl. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay, Tim's courtesy laugh was probably funnier than my joke. Uh, by the way, I'm telling you right now, if someone kills and eats me, that's how I want to be remembered. Sweet and uh, tender? Yeah, well, I'm, she's saying, you know, remember her for her life, not the way in which she died. If I am killed and consumed by some sort of a, a cannibal maniac, she's I want, a woman of good taste. I want, I want to be remembered for the circumstances of my death. Don't worry about anything I did while I was alive. If that's how I go out, my head simmering in a saucepan and some freak stove, remember me for that. That is how I wish to be remembered. Uh, the suspect is 25-year-old Christopher Lee McCune. He hasn't shown very much emotion since his arrest. Even in jail at the present time, he doesn't seem to have any outward remorse. <sighs> well, okay. So he hit the young lady, and uh, he was caught. So that's not very often in Texas. No, I suppose not. Well, well there you go. That's the uh, cannibal cannibal. Good taste. the weirdest emails. All right. Uh, would we like to interview Jackie Mason? Jackie Mason? Jackie Mason. What would we ask him? Well, Tim, I'm, gl I'm glad, you, uh, glad you inquired about that. We would ask Jackie Mason about his new DVD, which is entitled, quoting now from the press release, The Ultimate Jew. What a weird day it is. I'm getting the strangest thing. This is from his publicist or his... His whatever it is, it's a it's apparently his farewell performance. Oh, is that so a farewell tour? Oh, it's not a DVD. It's actually a tour. So he actually is touring for this. So that's Jackie Mason. Uh, here's a picture from some You're right, Canadian currency. There's the twenty. Now wait, they're not dollars, are they? Yeah, they are. Dollars, really? Mm -hmm. So is the Canadian dollar worth as much as the American dollar? I believe now it is. But it used to only be worth fifty cents at one time. But it's still called a dollar. It's still called a dollar. Or or a loony. A loony. A loony. You gotta like a country that calls their money a loony. Mm -hmm. Actually, if you live in Spokane, uh, and I urge you not to, but if you live in Spokane, you can pay for uh, a lot of stuff in Spokane with Canadian money, because it's so near the border. Because Spokane is just a stone's throw from Canada, uh, and so uh, a you get to go uh, see a lot of great uh, musical acts in Canada. When they come through Canada, you can go right across the border and see them there sometimes. And it, at like you go into a typical restaurant in Spokane, Washington, and most of them will take uh, Canadian money or loonies, 
at whatever. So there, I don't recognize anybody else here, but the $20 bill in Canada has the queen on it. So there you go. Boy, has she always been old? Yes. She's another one. I don't ever, I mean, I've been alive for 35 years. I don't ever remember her looking young, ever, ever. Just doing that weird cup hand waving thing that she does. Uh, let's see. It's 503-733-2970. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey. Hey, Sarah, while I'm <clears throat> whiling away my time here, go to IMDb and look up a movie called Teeth. Oh, I've heard about oh, that. Oh, you don't want to look. Seems... No, you don't want to look. It that. looks interesting. Okay, that, that that right there. We'll just leave that alone and we won't go anywhere. Also, today is my son's 21st birthday, which happens to coincide with uh, Elvis Aaron Presley's 75th birthday today, mm-hmm. if you care. Nobody cares about Elvis. Okay, and then speaking of crapulous old tools, how you doing over there? No. Uh, what? <laughs> I don't understand what's going on with this call. No, the last thing I had for you today. I'm Are we doing a little drinking today? No, no, I'm... I'm laying in bed dying. This is the dying guy. Right oh, I see. All right. So you're just you're just uh, are you medicated in some way? Not yet. You got to identify yourself as the dying guy when you call in, because then I'm gonna, I mean, otherwise I'm just going to be asking you all the time if you're drunk. No, I'm not drunk. I I am uh, on oxygen and uh, or should be. Uh, I had to take it off so that I could talk to you. And, uh, Wait, hold on. So, are you actually talking to us at the expense of your brain cells, which are dying off right now from lack of oxygen? Yeah, but dude, I grew up in the '70s, so it's like all good. Okay. But I was just thinking about Andy. final thought, sir. Yeah, final thought before I run out of oxygen. Here. Yeah. Andy Rooney. Yeah. Is one guy who could honestly say, "I know Andrew Jack. I knew Andrew Jackson. You're no Andrew Jackson." Yeah. You know, or something like that. All right. Thank but, you. But I'm bum. All right. Yeah. Bye now. Thanks. Thanks so much. Do a little, do a little more time to work on that material next time. Mm-hmm. Ah, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, Australasia is all those islands in between the ma- Asian mainland and Australia that are kind of a mix of. Now, see, Richie really typed small. that on the screen. Richie typed it's between Australia and Vietnam, but I thought he was sort of screwing with us. No, that's actually because there, there are all those areas, all those islands are uh, kind of a mix of both the, the Aboriginal people and then a. Uh, Basically, Chinese-based people that have colonized throughout the so Australasia is a is a conglomeration of islands between the yeah, Australian those, mainland and Asia. Yeah, basically all those islands like Papua New Guinea and the Philippines and just basically that uh, that big string between Australia. And so Asia. this is so that is the fifth most listened to continent in terms of the Rick Emerson Show online North America, followed by other Asia, Europe, Australasia, and then South America, then Africa. Yeah, so like final tap, you're big in Japan. No, we really no, we're huge in Japan. Thank you, sir. All right, bye. All right, there we go. Thank you. All right. Yeah, no, we're massive. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So who knew those islands were there? Uh, until this, of course, like all Americans, until it began affecting me or I had some vested interest, I didn't know nor care. Uh, now I know everything there is to know about Australasia, all because of we pen- We ought to, you know what, if, if, we were, uh, if we were a more moneyed radio station, if we had, the, if we had a bigger promotional budget, I would just, uh, I would do some, I'm telling you right now, I would do some racky, wha- I would do some wacky radio stunt. We got on a plane and we flew there and we went and introduced ourselves to our one listener. Fly there, right? It's like Mad Magazine back in the 70s. They probably roast us over a barbecue and eat us. Some of those islands. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. Just wear a sign. I am not a missionary. Um, there was a famous uh, stunt or whatever it is that Mad Magazine, uh, William M. Gaines, who was the publisher of Mad, found out that they had a single subscriber in Haiti. In about 1971, Mad Magazine learned that they had one Haitian subscriber. And 
Bill Gaines and all the guys at Mad Magazine, his senior editorial staff, they all actually went to the airport, got on a plane, they flew to Haiti, went to the guy's house and gave him a lifetime subscription, and then went home. Which is fantastic. That's the sort of thing I'd like to do. So Susan Reynolds is duly noted. Um, yeah, so top countries in which we're listened. United States, Japan, Italy, Canada, Australia. Let's see. Countries I've never even heard of. Mauritius. Mauritius? Mauritius. That sounds like an extra in the Matrix. M-A-U-R. Sounds like one of the 31 flavors. Uh, yes, it does, but it'd be sort of like an upscale Northwest 23rd kind of flavor. It would have coffee in it. M-A-U-R-I-T-I-U-S. Mauritius. Never even heard of it. Don't know where it is. You are a stripper. Well, name. we should take Let's it over you. then. Let's see. The Dominican Republic. Poland. Yeah, Paraguay. Saudi Arabia. We have one listener in Saudi Arabia. Jesus. They'll probably be beheaded. If I was just going to say, don't reveal to anybody that you are a listener of this program. He'd be killed as an infidel. Morocco, Uruguay, Venezuela, Vietnam, South Africa. Jesus. Hmm. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. That's pretty nice. Anyway, let me tell you about this uh, new gift site for men. It's called mancrib.com. Uh, you can set up a gift registry for yourself, but only if you're a man. What you do is you go through the site, you uh, pick out a bunch of stuff you like, and then you email the list to all of your friends and family. That way, when Christmas comes around, they don't have to just wonder what you want. That's mancrib.com. Really? So his stunning idea is that you can actually just register for gifts somewhere. Yeah. This is his seed. This all goes back to today's common theme. Groundbreaking. Which is the idea that anybody can market themselves as an expert in anything. Because God knows every gift set on the Internet hasn't given you this ability for the past 12 years or so. There you go, mancrib.com. That guy is a living embodiment of what I'm saying. All you do is just say that you've got a great idea, put out a press release, idiot radio shows will book you, and you'll become successful. Here's Tim Riley. Here's a bar that would... Oh, wait a minute. This bill would ban swearing in all bars. A St. Louis area town is considering a bill that would ban swearing in bars along with table dancing, drinking contests, and profane music. City officials say the bill is needed to keep a rowdy crowds under control because the historic downtown gets a little bit too lively on some nights with people kicking up their heels. A city councilman, you know, politicians are always here to ruin things, uh, said he is uh, prompted to propose a bill after complaints about bad bar behavior. He said it'll give police some rules to enforce when things get too rowdy. But some bar owners worried the bill is too vague and restricted, saying it's a violation of civil rights. Uh, let's see, we're dealing with adults here once again, and I don't think it's the city's job or the government's job to determine what we can do or not play inside a bar room. This proposal would ban indecent, profane, and obscene language, songs, entertainment, and literature at bars. All right, this is where? St. Louis? St. Louis, Missouri. The thing with the big arch? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see, Rick. There are 53 independent commonwealths of Great Britain. This includes Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Jamaica, Sri Lanka, Uganda, and Grenada. Grenada. The Isle of Spice. Didn't we save them? We, from something. I don't even know what, I don't even remember what we were saving Grenada from. Does anybody? I don't remember. I got nothing. Reagan went in there. I remember he went in there, and they sent in Clint Eastwood. Somebody was trying to steal their spices. Uh, Somebody had to put an end to it. These countries rule on their own, but the Queen of England technically holds sovereign powers over their countries, which is largely symbolic. They don't have monarchies, but they can have presidents or prime ministers. This would explain why Gundor... Gundor? Gundor? Doesn't matter. Isn't that from Lord of the Rings? <laughs> and all of Gondor is free as of this... Whatever. I think I'm beyond caring. Here's Tim Riley. 
Uh, a black Labrador that bit a 13-year-old boy split repeatedly, waking him up, is credited by saving the boy. And two of his friends from a house fire, Christopher Pebbles, woke up Friday morning to feel his dog Laney biting his foot repeatedly in the basement of the family home, where two of his friends were also uh, sleeping that night. I thought that she just had to go to the bathroom. She never bites me. He and his friends walked upstairs with Laney and noticed smoke everywhere in the house. We came up the stairs and thought it was a dream. But it was cold when we opened the door, and I knew it wasn't a dream. Firefighters arrived to find the home's garage, and he's on fire. The dog is credited with saving the family's life. You know, there's no way that my dog would ever do that. I read these stories about hero animals, and it's just, my dog would just take the opportunity to loot the refrigerator for something. There's no, I mean, at no point would my dog ever rescue me from, from any kind of malady or ill at all. It's not going to happen. Here's uh, Tim Rowe. We haven't even done the Britney watch. We're going to do it right now. That's okay, you know, because we've got nothing scheduled until uh, Lisa coming up next hour. So right. here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, time for the Britney watch. Here's your Britney watch for Tuesday. Inside sources say Britney Spears spoke with a British accent during her stay at Cedar Sinai. Uh, really? Are Maybe it was an Australian accent. We can only hope. Really? Uh huh. Uh, Dr. Phil won't comment on that either, uh, saying that the trouble singer needs treatment. Yeah, she needs to be in inpatient, uh, inpatient care for a period of time. She's going through a rough time right now. Yes, she is. So apparently she's oh, okay. Uh, here's I have this question about Doctor Phil. I don't like Doctor Phil. No, no one likes Doctor Phil. I just think he's a quack. How much does he look like Jeffrey Tambor? You know Jeffrey Tambor from the Larry Sanders show mm-hmm. and uh, Arrested. He was the dad on Arrested Development. Um, he looks exactly like Doctor Phil. If you were to take, uh, he played what's his name? Yeah, George Senior on Arrested Development. You give him a mustache, he is Doctor Phil. There's something very creepy about Doctor Phil. Oh no, it, well he's got unnaturally white teeth too. I don't trust people who have teeth that are that white. Uh, so Spears has really, really white teeth. Yeah, but I mean, she's, still, she's crazy too. I, the, 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 they all should be using Rembrandt. <laughs> Say goodbye to your pesky gums <laughs> with Rembrandt. Have you used that again? Are you kidding? Well, no. You seem to be happy with the whiteness of your teeth. I was happy with the results, but no, that was too pieces painful. of flesh fell off of your gum line. Um, the, uh, I mean, isn't that just bleach? Isn't that what that is? It's mm-hmm. just bleach, right? Pretty much, yeah. It's this concentrated bleach yeah, gel. I'm gonna stuff. kill you. All right. Uh, Dr. Phil, I think we've all, but I think as of this Britney Spears thing, I think we all have a, as a culture have just taken like a straw poll, a caucus, if you will, and we've just decided to shun Dr. Phil. I think we've all kind of come to the conclusion that he's an ass. Um, so I have this question about Dr. Phil, though, which is, is it even, and I don't know because I'm not a doctor, is it, I, I would think he wouldn't even be allowed to talk about this because of doctor-patient exactly. confidentiality, right? Exactly. I mean... Yeah, and I don't know, maybe it's you're, a little creepy. I mean, it, it is creepy, but it also seems like it's illegal mm-hmm. uh, because he and you know because he's not like a pretend doctor like Doctor Laura. I mean, he actually is. is uh, I, I guess I never hear anybody talk about her anymore. No, you know, no one does. There, we were just actually just talking about that before the show about certain radio programs uh, that just seem to have fallen off the cultural radar. You just sort but of they're like, still on. Well, it's like George Bush. I mean, that's that nobody really talks about George W. Bush anymore. Well, nobody wants. That's I mean, I, I kind of he in the if you were to like. 
picture him in your head right now, he just seems diminished. He just seems like he's sort of shrunk and got like he's been lost no, behind a plant. They brought in more brush for him to clear. <laughs> and they, I think everybody, including the Republicans, everybody is just sort of like looking at their watch, and he's sort of now just sort of nipping at your heels a little bit, but we've all decided just to kind of forget about him until January rolls around and we when we bid him goodbye. By the way, I... I'm telling you right now, you know what? I had this realization watching the news last night, and then we'll get back to Brittany. I had this realization watching the news. You know what's going to start happening around January? I'm calling. I'm making a cultural prediction here. Uh, this is part of my part of my role as pop culture arbiter and scribe. Um, see now, I can market myself as an expert. I'm telling you right now that starting in January, you will all begin to receive email or MySpace invitations to say goodbye to George W. Bush parties. Oh, totally. Especially here yeah. in Portland. I mean, oh, who's not going to be excited about I'm that? I'm just saying, like, January 1st, you're going to start getting invited to a, you know, Kiss Bush goodbye party. Uh, which, because I think, what is his last day? One, January 20th, I think is his last day. Did you, um, have you ever talked to Chris about his, um, Chris Paddock, the PD over there? That's his name, right? KUFO, yeah. Yeah, yeah. About his theory about um, George Bush and Britney Spears and everything, how he thinks that Britney Spears is actually hired by the government as a distraction from George She's W. Bush. She's the bright, shiny object. Because seriously, nobody's paying attention to politics. Nobody's doing anything. They're just watching to see what crazy stunt Britney's going to pull next. Oh, Britney. I think, unfortunately, Britney is... I think she's just nutty of her own accord. I just don't know how Dr. Phil can go on television and start talking about, not that I really care all that much, what happened between him and Britney, because I would think that if she was still a patient when he went there, and in other words, she did not summon him, so he was requested uh, in a medical capacity by the family, and Cedar sinai had to let him in because she was still a patient, it seems like anything that happened between he and her is protected by confidentiality, and he can't be, like, bumping his gums about it on television. So... This sort of seems to be like Leno writing his own monologue. It seems like there probably there might be some sort of a smackdown coming for Dr. Phil uh, from, you know, whatever the board of, you know, the AMA or whoever does that. All right, so Brittany was talking in a British accent. Yes, part one. Uh, then she left without a ride uh, last night. According to People Magazine, LAPD impounded her white Mercedes after she apparently <laughs> abandoned it in the middle of the road in Brentwood. Uh, the car was blocking the roadway, and it was unsafe to leave at that location. The vehicle was then towed, and it's being held in the official police garage tow yard. If she wants to reclaim it, she ought to pay $104 and an additional $32 each day the what, Mercedes is kept. What do you want to bet she never picks it up? What do you want to bet she just gets oh, a new car? Oh, she good, it'll be auctioned off. Yeah, you know that that's the case. I've I mean, got more cars that way. Don't you just know that's how that idiot's brain works? That they will take Britney's car and impound it, and A, because she's lazy, B, because she's crazy, C, because she's not that bright, and D, because, as I think we've noted... She she will not respond to anyone's request that she follow the rules or follow the law or show up and sign anything. I mean, they can't even get her to go to court to keep her children. Instead, she apparently just gets a gun and hides in the bathroom with them. And then she rode home with a paparazzi. See, that's what I... She got a flat tire. Somebody mentioned that to me, but I didn't know... She ran off with them. Yeah, she ran off with them. Okay, well, somebody explain this, because I must have missed that. So, Tim, do you have... Well, that was the other angle. Okay, so so please to explain. Uh, she responded by hopping into the car of a nearby photographer, who then ferried the two home. Okay. So this guy basically, he's a pop, he's a paparazzo, and he's been his job is basically to follow him on Britney Spears. Well, one day she starts talking to him and gets in his car, and then they end up dating, and he's a married paparazzo. Of course. So they've been together now for like a week, and that's who she ran off with after she got out of the hospital, and they like spent. Um, she's that's the one who, that she spent New Year's Eve with. Well, they went right, and rented then. a hotel room Wait, for five hours. Wait, is this the guy who supposedly is peddling racy photos of her? Yes. Okay. There's some guy. 
Imagine how low the market must be for those at this point. Imagine... Oh, so now she's driving her assistant, Carla's beat-up Toyota Camry with the crack windshield. <laughs> really? Yes. Is it all part of being country? That's wonderful. I think the Republicans are paying for all this. It's true. So we don't pay attention to who we're actually bombing this week. Uh, all right. So this uh, photographer, Adnan Galeb, is that his name? Sure. Is uh, uh, apparently going to leak uh, provocative pictures of the uh, pop star to news outlets. Photos that are already on the market, and although they're tame, who's to say what the next round could hold, says a, con- uh, a concerned friend. So apparently she has concerned friends. Uh-huh. Uh, this photographer who's married, and according to many reports, is said to be brokering a deal uh, via his photo agency, Final Picks, that could fetch a six-figure sum for shots of himself and Spears. It's not as if uh, Spears' judgment is a good one right now, so he can take advantage of her. MTV performance could actually end up looking tasteful if things go too badly. I can't even imagine how little you would be offered for, quote, racy photograph. I mean, racy photograph. Once you've repeatedly showed your vagina to the public, I think that you've perhaps uh, ruined any market uh, for things of that nature. Uh-huh. All right. I'll go one more here. Uh, Brittany's pregnant sister may uh, be trying to keep the wraps on her school career. According to People magazine, 16-year-old Jamie Lynn Spears, the star of Nickelodeon's Zoe 101, has been spotted leaving an adult education center carrying a GED book. Jamie wow. Lynn had previously enrolled in Mississippi's Parkland Academy. That sounds like a royal place. <laughs> Mississippi's Parkland Academy. But last after Thanksgiving, setting commitments in Los Angeles. A friend at the school tells people that Jamie Lynn would uh, probably have been kicked out for being uh, with her child. Jamie Lynn made the announcement last month. The source tells people that Jamie Lynn purchased the popular pregnancy book, what to expect when you're expecting Ugh. two weeks before making that news public. Jesus. Maybe it's at the school bookstore. My have. friend hates that book. My friend Lisa was knocked up. She said it was the worst book she's ever read. Well, I, and I've and never... I, here, how sad is this, though? That uh, I mean, never having had a kid, never, you know, not planning to have any kid, and yet I know that that's the book everybody's supposed to buy. I mean, it's just, I think it's... A, it will be now. It, it's, it's the King James Bible of the, uh, of the maternity world. It's, it's what everybody gets. Uh, it is kind of comforting to know, though, that no matter how much money you get, if you're a dumb hick, you just remain a dumb hick. You know what I mean? And, it, it, and then it really just doesn't make you any smarter. That is kind of gratifying in a, in a sort of horrible sense. I mean, does Britney, now here's a question, because if Jamie Lynn's trying to get her GED, does Britney Spears even have a high school diploma? Nope. I'm no. looking through it. Britney Spears doesn't. Paris Hilton doesn't. Lindsay Lohan doesn't. Do they all get GEDs, or do they just not have anything? I they think... go to a community college. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think all of them have their GEDs. I know that Paris Hilton doesn't. That'd be an interesting. Um, that'd be an interesting piece. Somebody at TMZ or whatever, they ought to get cracking and do a whole little piece on that about the education level. Mm-hmm. And they, can't you? And you know, the thing is, it would make a great story too because you could do the, um, you know, the little the little uh, uh, graph. You could do a whole not a pie chart, but you know, the thing with the whatever. You could do like a whole visual graph showing how many uh, grades of school your average celebrity completed. Because it would astonish me if Britney Spears even had a GED. Because, I mean, that would that would assume that she had spent us. Because your GED is something you typically get when you're 16. I mean, at no point. First, she was too busy to have done it. And then I think later on, she probably just didn't care. So I would imagine that I'd like to know what the last grade of school Britney Spears ever attended was. I mean, it must. I mean, I, I'm imagining she never went to school probably past the second grade. Because once she hit the Mickey Mouse Club or whatever, I mean, you know, she just gets one of those on-site tutors. So... All right, do we have anything else for for now with that? Not for now. All right, there's the insanity of today's Britney watch on the Tuesday.
is uh, Nickel Arcade, the white Nickel Arcade. MySpace.com slash Nickel Arcade Sucks. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. A Hillsborough reality television star's trial begins today in Washington County. Matt Ratloff, who is featured in the cable program Little People Big World, is charged with drunk driving. Uh, police arrested him in June for allegedly driving around near Helvetia. This is Roloff's second read-in with police in 2003 at a drunk driving charge dismissed after completing an alcohol diversion program. Uh, Helvetia is the home of the Helvetia Tavern where they got that, uh, that hamburger that's like the size of a tire. Where is Helvetia? I don't really know. I went. I think it's by North Plains, but I might be wrong about that. Oh, okay. And that's right. I could be wrong. I went there twice, both to go to this place called Helvetia Tavern, uh, which uh, seriously has one of the largest hamburgers I have ever seen in my life. I mean, I don't know. We've uh, we've done like the discussion about best hamburger in Portland and blah blah blah. And I don't I don't think we ever came to any sort of consensus. But I will tell you, the Helvetia Tavern. Anybody who's gone there will tell you that their cheeseburger is really unbelievable. It is not of this earth. I mean, it's it, it, you got to have like four or five hands helping you pick that thing up. So here's Tim Riley. One person is dead. In an accident at the Scapoose Recycling Plant. We don't know what that entails, but that just happened moments ago. Uh, rival late-night hosts Jay Leno and Jimmy Kimmel are teaming up, in a way. Due to the writer's strike, inducing shortages of guests, Leno and Kimmel have booked each other on their prospective programs. That means this Thursday, Kimmel will sit on NBC's Tonight Show couch as Leno's guest. And then, Leno will trek across town later that same night and sit in with Kimmel on his... Jimmy Kimmel Live program on ABC. You know, Jimmy Kimmel was a show that I watched really loyally when it first came on. And then I just sort of drifted away from it. And I can't remember. I'm trying to remember the last time, just as a listener or as a viewer, that I made an appointment television to watch any of the late night shows. And I just don't think. I, I think maybe that's an age thing. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, I think when you leave your 20s, it's like SNL. I think SNL is one of those shows that you watch until you hit a certain age, and then it just no longer is something that you pencil into your appointment book every right. week. I, I, I mean, an infomercial for, for a mop or a, a toilet sponge is just as interesting as some of these shows. What is the best infomercial anybody's seen recently? Go. The best infomercial? Yes. I don't watch infomercials. Oh, you're that's a lie. I don't. You Everybody watches infomercials. I usually just leave it on, like, the the God Network. That's when I wake up in the middle well, of the night, I see that. that is itself one kind of long infomercial. I guess you could make that argument. <gasps> oh, no, there's that, um, I saw this one with this bouncy thing that you can, um, uh... Is it an around. exercise device? It's an exercise device, but it, it looks like a tricycle, but it doesn't have any wheels or anything. You can ride around on it on the water, and mm -hmm. it kind of bounces around on the water. It's really Oh, weird. I haven't seen that. Is this a 30-minute infomercial? I think it was like a five-minute infomercial. Uh, see, you know, that doesn't really count. I think it has to be, I think for it to be an infomercial, it's got to be 30 minutes in length, and it's got to have a studio audience. Okay, what's yours? Uh, well, I don't know. I will just say uh, that they, um, I mean, the, the king of all of these infomercials, continue. in fact, I just read in Fortune Magazine. God, i got to find this now. Fortune Magazine had the best piece recently about Ron Popeil, uh, because they were talking about Ron Popeil and how he is still, you know, he, he's still the king of the infomercial. Wait, hold on, i got to find it now. Ron Popeil. Boy, that guy, you want to talk about a guy who is the embodiment of America. Uh, let's see. I think I've missed... Whatever happened to that guy with the glasses? The, and the stupid and the horrible sweater? Yeah. He kind of looked like a bad uh, Bob Saget mm -hmm. sort of thing. Uh, let's see, Ron Popeil. Back no. in my poor days, I was a paid audience member on those, and he had tons of them. Really? Yeah. Let's see. They built this big studio complex in Burbank just for infomercials. I have never seen an infomercial being filmed... 
Uh, but I do kind of, I, I wish that I had. I, I mean, I wish that I could be in the audience for one of those because I'm really curious to know. Like, first of all, when they felt, well, what was it in an infomercial for? Uh, the Amazing Cyber Slicer. Really? It, what happened? Please, <laughs> please to describe. Well, it was like this Ginsu Knight type of thing. Uh-huh. And it was designed to effortlessly cut through frozen food even because it was so sharp. But what, what happened was they would put the frozen food into the microwave for various times to make it easier for the slicer to go through it. I always wonder about that. I mean, I always wonder. You, you kind of know that infomercials aren't on a level. But yeah. I do wonder about how many multiple takes and how much they have All to really day. work you up to applaud. Do they pay you? Yeah. So how much did you get paid for that? It was $75 in a box of lunch. <laughs> well, I mean, it's work. Can you put that down as a screen credit? No, because I wasn't seen on camera. Mm. None of us were. Right. We were supposed to applaud and laugh and and really react wildly to this amazing cyber slicer. And the cyber slicer, I mean, why was it? What made it cyber? That was the big word that year. Oh, was it like it, that it, was like a information they even had superhighway? A, 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 a cyber peeler for potatoes. <laughs> Okay. The cyber slicer. Peel and check your email all at once. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, this is from um, this is from uh, Forbes.com. They did a whole profile of Ron Popeil. Okay, this is Ron Popeil's uh, this is Ron Popeil's top ten best-selling inventions. Pocket fisherman number one. Really? Are you calling it right now? Yeah. All right. Hold on a second. All right. Let's see. The top ten Ron Popeil uh, inventions. Number ten, the Showtime rotisserie. Uh, Ron Popeil's best-selling, uh, let's see, uh, one of his best-selling comes in three sizes, compact, standard, or professional. The best part is, it's, I'm now reading his, his copy, the best part is it's not just for chicken. Users can also cook up an evenly roasted lamb or roast beef. It spawned, uh, this is, see, this is what makes Ron Popeil great. The Showtime Rotisserie, do you know what, you know that the everlasting gift of the Showtime Rotisserie to the public is? Well, that was the weirdest sentence I've said all day. No. The Showtime Rotisserie and the infomercial for same. I think this is a generational thing, by the way, that Sarah does not appreciate my love of infomercials. And I think, you know what it is, Sarah? It is because you watch a lot of TV. And it's because you are part of the TiVo generation. Were you... you, No, I don't think that's... I think you just watched a lot of TV. Well, I watched... I was sort of raised by the television, but also I come from an era when you you had to watch what was on. Well, there's always, like, Matlock or something to watch instead of an infomercial. See, but that wasn't the case. When I was growing up, even in cable, even in early cable, a lot of the cable networks... And some of them still do it now. Like There's still not a lot on, even though you've got 150 channels. You turn on at 3 a.m. and half of the news, like MSNBC and CNBC, I think they go to infomercials at 3 in the morning. Uh, but, I mean, in the early days of cable, like midnight, they all turned to infomercials. So if you were up and watching television at 1.30 in the morning, infomercials were all you had. It was that or the weather channel. There was just nothing else to choose from. Okay, the Showtime Rotisserie did spawn the phrase, set it and forget it. That is that's where it came from. It came from the Showtime uh, rotisserie. All right, Ron Popeil's topped it. Okay, the next flippets. The flippet. This is the. Do you know what a flippet is? No, the, I don't remember. Okay, see, here, no, I'm so disproportionately excited about this. Um, this is both the good and bad thing about me and this program is that I'm jumping out of my skin with excitement over Ron Popeil's ten best in, uh, inventions. The, the flippet is the perfect Ron Popeil invention in a sense because. It solves a need, you know, it addresses a need that you don't really think about, but that when mentioned, you realize has, you know, needed addressing. What the Flippet is, the Flippet is a thing that allows you, it, it looks like a sword, basically. A spatula. Um, you know, like, okay, let me, I'll describe the Flippet. You know, like one of those long sort of barbecue forks that you use where it's like a handle and then a long, 
you know, metal shaft and then the fork at the end that you flip your steak with or with whatever. Two prongs. Exactly, with the okay. prong at the end. So it's yeah. about 10 inches long and it's a big fork. But of course, what is the problem when you're cooking over the pan at home? You get grease splatters. And so basically, it's like a me- it's like a long barbecue fork, but it's sort of like a sword in that it has like a plastic shield that covers your hand. And so you can turn things on your stove, you don't get grease splatter. Because if you ever like cooked bacon or whatever in a pan? No. And as soon as you me either, actually. If you've ever cooked anything in a pan on the stove, you get the grease spatter all over you. This eliminates that problem. This is what makes Ron Popeil great. Uh, let's see. Next Ron Popeil invention. The solid food injector. Why, have you ever wanted to inject your cupcake with chocolate? How about sticking herbs into a roast chicken? That's what the solid food injector is for. So it's like a big syringe, but it lets you put non-liquid foods inside other foods. That is so gross. It's... Sarah, it's only gross because you haven't tried it or seen it used. Food on food action. It really is. The mark of this country is the idea that this food doesn't contain enough food. You might need to put other food inside of it. It's like the first time, and I know you've all done it, the first time you tried that pizza pizza hut crust with the cheese baked into it. Why there's not enough cheese in this pizza? Uh, All right, let's see. What else do we have here? This is from Forbes. This is the Ron Popeil's greatest inventions of all time. Uh, all right, here we go. Everybody knows this one by a different name. I'm right. In, I'm really in my wheelhouse now. This is the GLH system. Now you know this by at least one other name. Who knows what the GLH system is from Ron Popeil? I'm stumped. GLH stands for Great Looking Hair. Oh, what oh, do we gosh. really call it? The Floby. Flu- no, that's that's what the, the, the Floby. No, you're Flo-B. thinking of the Floby. That's the haircut. That's the suck cut. That's the thing where it cuts that your hair the and sucks it. thing ever. It's sucking my will to live. All right, we'll finish this in a little break. No, no, no. GLH is spray-on hair. Oh. You've used that before. I use it for bigger than Jesus. It looked good. And you know what? It looked fan-freaking-tastic. People can make fun of and I got it at, um, what is, Sarah, what is that? Cos- we use the black one. Yeah, seen on TV, that. that store at the Lloyd Center. I didn't get it there. I, what is that cosmetic store that's by uh, Gen X Clothing on 82nd. You know what I'm talking about? Is that Sally's, strip hair Sally's Hair Supply. I love Sally's For Hair Bigger Supply. than Jesus because I had acres of clear-cut scalp uh, and I just looked unbelievably bald under stage lights. For Bigger Than Jesus, we did use spray-on hair and for um, Listener Party 9 as well. It worked great. It really did. Uh, let me finish this out. We'll run the lady. Let me finish that one break. Uh, Ron Popeil invention. Dialomatic. The dialomatic is that thing that allows you to slice vegetables, but you turn the dial to adjust the thickness. And then you take mm-hmm. the... Uh, see, if you were more handy around the kitchen, Sarah, as members of your gender often are, you would know what the dialomatic is. Yes, I can't. too busy thinking about politics. <laughs> <laughs> My head's just full of Britney Spears. You know that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, these are the top ten Ron Popeil adventures. As President to Bush wants. The five-tray electronic food dehydrator and beef jerky maker. I have a friend of mine who uses that. I have a friend of mine. It's like multitasking. No, I'm telling you. I have a friend of mine who owns not one, not two, but three of these uh, because she does a lot of hiking and camping or whatever. And, man, so she just power dehydrates all the live long day. I mean, when she's getting ready to go camping or whatever, you walk into her house for about three weeks, uh, any time leading up to that, and she's just dehydrating like a bastard. She can have 15 different dehydrating trays going all at once. All right. The Ron Popeil pasta maker. Uh, which is, that's sort of like the Vegematic, uh, which I do believe was also from Ron Popeil. The Vegematic where you would just pile everything in and you hit the button, it would just crank it out on a mulch. If you don't stop talking about this, the rest of our show is just going to be commercials. No, 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 we're, okay, I'm, we're almost done. We haven't taken a break in 60 minutes. 
I got all this Ron Popeil yeah. stuff to talk about. <laughs> oh, but the president says it's a dangerous situation as Iranian boats are confronting U.S. warships. Nobody cares. Okay, I'm almost done. I got two more. All right. These are the top ten Ron Popeil inventions according to, uh, oh, I'm sorry, three more, according to Forbes. This next one is the Ron Popeil Inside the Shell Egg Scrambler. That also has oh. the distinction of being the first product he ever sold. And so the deal is, the, the deal is, it's like a, uh, it's like a little, a little whirring hook that you put inside an egg, you press the button, and it scrambles the egg inside the shell. Ew. And of course, people say, why would you want that? And leave it to Ron Popeil to be able to, to, to sell you something you could, couldn't possibly use. Well, and the deal is, like everything, they use it to get children to eat because you scramble the egg inside the shell, then you boil it, and that way when a kid eats a hard-boiled egg, he takes the shell off, it's already scrambled inside, and it looks all kooky and whatnot. But um, kid wouldn't want one. Two more. The bagel slicer, which is that great thing that has the knife attached to the shell so that you don't cut your hand off. Because how many times, I sound like Ron Popeil, how many times has this happened to you? Where you put the bagel in your hand, and then you're cutting it with a knife, and like an idiot... You are pushing the blade of the knife toward the palm of your hand, and you just want breakfast, but you give yourself stigmata in the kitchen. And what's number one, Rick? Tim, what's number one? Pocket fisherman. The pocket fisherman. That is a generational thing. Sarah doesn't know about the pocket I don't know fisherman. What that is. It's handy and useful. We've been talking for close to an hour now without a break. It's what we do. Lucky we're not in television. I we was just going to say, imagine this is enough to stymie the creative minds of Conan O'Brien and Jay Leno. We've talked for an hour about nothing with no preparation. Well, mostly you can. guys can't plan to do That's 44 minutes on television. <laughs> well, you know what? We're the audience. Maybe, maybe NBC needs to pay us a call. All right. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. A little more news around the corner. We'll do the top five: Lisa Desjardins and Byron Beckel on the way. You stay there. Don't go anywhere. But it was great. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Do you like that awkward but great stuff? It I do. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, well, to be fair, I mean, they were, um, we're talking about Lycus yesterday. Lycus had Danny Bonaducci on, who until recently was doing mornings with Adam Carolla. And now Adam is doing his show alone, and Danny Bonaducci is doing weekdays, 2 to 3, on KLSX. Uh, so Danny was on Lycus yesterday, and, and to be fair, I mean, they, you know, they were professional. But uh, it was a little, uh, you know, it, they didn't out-and-out out, uh, trash anybody, but it was it was very compelling, uh, but a little awkward to listen to. Because not so much because of Tom, because Tom was very much, you know, he was kind of staying above it all. He was just, he was just sort of being the... Well, Danny Bonaducci doesn't seem like he stays above anything. He has no filter. That's the that's the great thing about Danny Bonaducci. He has no filter at all. Breaking Bonaducci is one of the greatest I, reality shows I've ever seen. You know what? People sort of sort of slide on that guy, but you know what? I I think he's good, and I liked him a lot when he was. He's a good radio host. He really is. Uh, and people don't necessarily think Danny Bonaducci. They think the problem is when people talk about Danny Bonaducci. Uh, ironically, I'm now spending all this time talking about him now that he's no longer on CBS Radio here in Portland. Um, but people think that he is sort of um, a novelty host, uh, you know, that he's some guy who got famous and they got handed a radio show. But, you know, they don't really know 
that when he, he kind of, you know, fell out of favor in the show business world in the 70s, and then he really did work his way back up the radio food chain. Uh, he really has earned his, his stripes in radio. He's done a lot of, uh, a lot of respectable radio shows in good markets and good stations. Uh, and he really has no filter. Whatever comes into Danny Bonaducci's head comes out of Danny Bonaducci's mouth. And so he was sort of airing a lot of the dirty laundry on Lycus' show yesterday about being bounced off the Corolla show. So it was um, it was a little strange to listen to, but it was great. Uh, Rick, I've never heard you sound so excited before than when you were talking about infomercials just now. When you announced the Pocket Fisherman is number one, you sounded exactly like Harry Carey. You should wear Harry Carey. Holy cow, I think he's going to make it. Yes. Uh, let me just quickly read these, then we'll go to the news with Tim Riley well, coming up. Really? Mm-hmm. I have. Here's what I got. I got uh, some infomercial emails, and then I will let you guys choose whether you want to hear Dr. Phil Gossip or the top ten celebrities who have tried to kill themselves. Uh, Rick, the best commercial is obvious. It is Girls Gone Wild. Enough said. That's true. I remember, though it's hard to remember a time when there were no Girls Gone Wild infomercials. I remember being, God, I think in Salt Lake, sitting at, when I was living at the House of Dudes, just sitting there with my four guy roommates, all of whom were stoned to the gills, sitting on the sofa, stuffing Del Taco food into our mouth, and watching Girls Gone Wild infomercials for, like, whatever, 30 minutes at a stretch at 2 a.m. Just a bunch of guys with a huge graphics bong sitting on the table, all of us having gone to Del Taco and purchased 15 tacos each, sitting on the sofa, shoveling bad food into our mouths, and watching girls take off their tops at Mardi Gras. It truly was the best of times. Um, best infomercial is the sitcom commercial for the Magic Bullet. You know, several people have mentioned that, but I've never seen the it. The Magic Bullet? They sell the Magic Bullet at department stores. First of all, I thought the Magic Bullet was a vibrator. Oh, I think they're, yeah, they're two different kinds. You, you mean you can't make food with this one? <laughs> one, you make... And slices tomatoes whisper thin. Oh, I was thinking there's one for men, one for women. I don't know. Okay. Um, all right. I have. I have. Your, give you your choice here before we go. Well, to before the... we have to make a decision. Do you want me to tell you who we are going to be interviewing next week? Uh, is it somebody I that you were picking out? Was yesterday? I anticipating this? Mm-hmm. I have no. Remember when we looked at the list yesterday? No. What list? From Thrasher. Oh. Oh. Um. This is somebody I was making fun of, and now we're going to be interviewing them? No, not making fun of, that you would be excited about. Tesla. Yeah. <gasps> really? Uh-huh. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. In studio or phone? I don't know. Um, the guy just wrote me back. He said, can we schedule it for the next week, maybe the 16th? I love Tesla, and not ironically. And, I like you know, cables. And, you know, <laughs> sir, I like your amazing reproduction device. Um, uh, Tesla, uh, who, of course, you know, kind of reached their peak in the late 80s, late 80s, early 90s. You know, the great thing about Tesla is they never kind of fell off. They never sort of became, because they weren't like a, a hair metal band. They weren't a, a glam band. Uh, they were just, you know, kind of a straight, grimy sort of rock and roll band that unfairly got lumped into that same category. But they're coming to the Roseland, and they are a great band. They truly are. Uh, and they made the album Mechanical Resonance, for which I will uh, always love them. Excellent. God bless you. Excellent. It's Thank all you, Sarah Jake. Dillon. Yeah, oh, no. Thank you, Jake, whoever you are. All right. Do we want to hear Dr. Phil Gossip or the top ten celebrities who attempted to kill themselves? Tim? Top ten. Sarah? I'll go with him. All right. Top ten celebrities who have attempted to commit suicide. This is from uh, some website that some guy sent me. Number ten, Eminem. The hardcore rapper apparently tried to kill himself with... Okay, what is the most attention-getting drug you could try to kill yourself with? What does every drama queen high school girl take in an attempt to kill herself and to get uh, to get a spotlight? Tylenol PM. Yes. Tried to kill himself with Tylenol after uh, Kim Mathers dumped him. Imagine killing yourself with Tylenol over t- over Kim Mathers. 
Uh, let's see. Number nine. Upset that David Justice had broken up with her, Halle Berry allegedly tried to kill herself with good old carbon monoxide poisoning. See, but one either kills oneself with carbon monoxide or one does not. How is it, how is it possible that you would try to kill yourself with carbon monoxide and fail? You're immature. But, I mean, in other words, what could go wrong? Unless someone discovers it. And if you're Halle that Berry... Like should probably be discovered. But if you're Halle Berry, you have the means to buy, you know, to, in other words... Um, you have privacy. Your money and fame assure you a certain level of privacy. You live in a gated home. You have security fencing or whatever. It's not like, you know, somebody, the milkman is just going to come and find you. All right. Uh, number eight, Michael Jackson says, while there is no concrete proof, Neverland Ranch insiders say Jackson tried to kill himself right before he was found not guilty of molestation charges in 2005. Hmm. Uh, number seven. Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice has apparently tried to commit suicide on more than one occasion. And I don't think oh. he actually confirmed that with us, but I think he did talk a lot about being clinically depressed. And about just waking... Dr. Knight hangs you off of the balcony. Seriously. Um, but, and, you know, waking up and realizing the entire, uh, the entire country hates you. Um, number six, Ozzy Osbourne uh, says he has apparently tried to kill himself on more times than he cares to remember. Uh, appears to be drug-free now. Have you um, heard that thing about him and Sharon Osbourne's death pact? No. Where they don't want to live without each other. So, like in like in 2015, if both of them are still alive, they're going to kill themselves. That is so great. Yeah. We should all form a death pact right here, right now. With who? Sorry. Let's forget that I said that. With Lars. <laughs> um, number five, Gary Coleman. Gary Coleman announced in 1993 he had tried to kill himself twice with sleeping pills. All right. Number four, Mike Tyson. Uh, let's see, in 1988, Mike Tyson apparently uh, allegedly attempted to commit suicide by driving his car directly into a tree. Uh, let's see, uh, top ten attempted, uh, attempted celebrity so suicide. attempted to drive it directly into a tree. Like, he did. It, like, what happens then? Yeah. So he did drive it into a tree? But it but did not succeed in killing himself. Okay. Uh, top ten attempted celebrity suicide. Number three, Elton John tried to kill himself by sticking his head in a gas oven. Uh, Bernie Toppin, his writing partner, found him laying his head on a pillow in the oven uh, and saved him. And I think I read an interview with him where he said he took a bunch of sleeping pills and jumped into a swimming pool at one point. Uh, number two, of course, Owen Wilson. Uh, and then uh, number one, Richard Pryor, although I do believe that uh, this is inadvertent, who uh, set himself ablaze while freebasing cocaine. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, please pay heed to Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. There's another avalanche on an Oregon mountain highway for the second time today. An avalanche has closed off a portion of Highway 20 in both directions near the Santiam Pass. There's no word if any cars are trapped or anybody is injured. Nobody's got out there. Uh, let's see, this is about five miles east of the highway's junction with Highway 22. A similar avalanche happened earlier this morning around 6 a.m. Nobody was hurt in that one either. In uh, northern Oregon, Lane County, and uh, southern Washington Cascades, they're expecting heavy snow. That morning is in effect till 6 a.m. tomorrow. More than two feet of snow is expected. The heaviest snow expected to accumulate at the 3,000-foot level. Meanwhile, Willie Ames has been robbed at gunpoint. Do you think that's funny? It happened around 10 o'clock oh, last I, night. I, I do. In Hollywood, a man wearing a black jacket and blue jeans approached Willie Ames. Then his son pulled a gun and demanded money. Where is your God now, Bible man? They forked over a wallet and loose change. Total damage, $15. <laughs> I guess being Bible man doesn't pay all that well. No. They used to be uh, produced down here. 
at the old uh, Channel 12 studio. Is that true? Bible Man, really? Yeah. Is it true? Now, he's not you know Bible Man. called Bible Man? Bible Man. Oh, please. You don't know this? No. Bible Man? Okay, that's not an age thing. That's just you not knowing Willie. Really I believe that was uh, that was bankrolled by Mr. Pamplin. They probably. Well. So what do you go around? Bob and... Miller can only take so much of that budget. Yeah. Uh, Bible Man. Now, you know Willie Ames, right? He was uh, on Charles in Charge. He was on... He was on eight, and eight is enough, but your generation would know him from Charles in Charge. Apparently, he was in town to shoot a celebrity reality show for VH1. Really? Oh, of course. Um, well, it's, well, you, well, you know, and then he, um, I think he's turned up. Has he turned up on that Scott Bayo? It's 42 and single thing? And they, pregnant. I only watch a couple of those. Because that show was pilot. Scott Bayo's 42 and pregnant. That's what it's called. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Thanks. Yeah, it's the. You know, can we just, there. can we stop this business of men saying, well, we're pregnant? I mean,. I'm not trying to be some like hardline machismo guy, but it just sounds dumb. It does. If you're a guy, you are not pregnant. All right. You the, impregnated. Somebody. You have impregnated somebody, and that's either good nor bad nor whatever. If you're a man, you are not pregnant. Quit saying that. Just sounds dumb. Um, some of it's ridiculous. And so yeah, but Willie Ames and Scott Bayo, I think, all kind of ran together as some sort of drinking, boozing, whoring pack. Uh, and then uh, Scott Bayo uh, just sort of did whatever, stayed single, and then Willie Ames found Jesus. And then Willie Ames became a superhero. Okay, he looks familiar. And I don't think it was on TV, but then I think it was, you know, on VHS and DVD. He had married a stripper earlier. Willie he was Ames? like 18, yeah. That's yeah. when he became a born-again Christian. Well, you know, I guess. I mean, whatever. Stripper first, Jesus last. Uh, and, and then so he became a superhero called Bible Man. And he would dress up in this, like, uh, purple leotard. And he would hold a Bible out, and he would do whatever, deflect really? evil with it or something. I'm not making it up. Bible man. Tim, Bible you know man. what? Okay, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to YouTube. You go to Wikipedia. I will go to YouTube. And I'm Wikipedia gonna... for Willie Ames or Bible? No, man? look up Bible man. Bible man. I don't think he's Bible man anymore. I think somebody else does it now. Here's Tim Riley. What is it mentioned on there? If you keep looking, you'll find it. No, you'll find it. It was a very popular program. Let's see, Bible man video game. Uh, okay, here's Bible man. Let's see here. Does that have a theme song? I don't know. Bible Man. Yeah. Bible Man. I don't know. Is Bible Man one word? I'm, I got it right here. Okay. Well, here maybe there, there's, a, there's a hyphen there like Spider-Man. Bible, Bible Man. Hyphen Man. This is Bible Man in the case of the toxic tonic of disrespect. Bible Man? Okay. And this is Willie Ames' Bible Man, by the way. I'm looking at this now. All right. Is my computer up? One summer day at the ballpark. Okay, so this is, um, okay, so uh, this is a Bible Man episode. So here's what is happening. It's like a kid's little league game, and Zach, one of, presumably one of the kids, there is a scaly green monster hand reaching out from underneath the bleachers. And I believe, uh -oh. he, is going to, I believe he is going to replace uh, Zach's water bottle with some sort of secret tonic. What about maybe alcohol? Or Folgers crystals? Let's see. It is a glowing green Mountain Dew type liquid. So the scary hand, this is the worst produced thing. These effects are awful. So Zach is drinking this mysterious... That lousy way to end the season. That little loser killing our rally. Come Did on, Zach. It's so unfair. I don't want fair. I want to win. And Wait, hold on. So the demon has replaced Zach's water bottle 
with we some sort of Zach's water bottle. Glow, glow, Mrs. Olson has replaced his water with a glowing green liquid. Is it a cartoon? No, no, no. It's it? live action. It's live action. Terrible production values. Like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Yes. And so, so Zach has consumed this green liquid, and listen, it's making him disrespectful to his teammates. Oh, oh. What a lousy way to end the season. That little loser killing our rally. Come on, Zach. It's only fair. I don't want fair. I want to win. And instead, our season's going down the tubes. Next year, we got to get a real coach. Here's the opening credit sequence. Bible Man. Is he flying? Oh, he's got a lightsaber. I can't see it. I'm going to have to go over there. Bible Man. We'll okay. be right back. Come. You can see this on YouTube, by the way. You just—it's the first result for Bible Man. All one word. All one, okay, I'll watch it over here. Okay. I'm gonna watch it over. Here. All right. Uh, so I'm gonna roll this. You're gonna miss the opening credits, sequence, Sarah. Okay, I'm listening. Wait, right. I, my first one is the, the Bible Man video game. I don't know. You, you got to come over here and watch it here. Okay. okay. Everybody, uh, if you go to Bible Man, you can follow. Look, look for Bible Man and the toxic tonic of disrespect. I want to win. All right. Instead, our season's going down the tubes. Next year. We gotta get a real code. Okay, here we go. It's the Bible Man credit sequence. Yeah, so that's him in his Bible Man costume. See, he's holding a lightsaber. Wow. These are the new adventures of Bible Man. <laughs> Yeah. Inside mobile mission command. So I guess he, he gets the call. Preparing to verify. Engaging retinal secure scan. Okay, so I think they're uh I think they're alerting Bible Man. Who who works out of a trailer? Bible Man works out of an airstream trailer. Josh, Cypher, can you hear me? Yes, Bible Girl, what's wrong? Why we've been trying to get through to you for hours. We just now got Eunice back online, thanks to Melody. You're fortunate to have her. She's Whatever. the best. What's your urgent What does he mean by that? Enemy activity has been detected near the baseball diamond at Millwood Park. You're the closest response team. Any idea of the problem? We're getting a heat index reading that suggests rising conflict. We've got to destroy everything connected with power. Initialize for full sure. armor sequence. So they're That's so sad. These people have been trying to initialize their whole lives, and they're in Bible. Man. Really? This is when you get the the call from SAG. Look, we found you an acting gig. Tim, would you have taken a Bible Man gig if they'd offered it? Sure. It looks like they just is standing in front of some green fabric and. At the WB set. Yeah. Scotty's back there ironing the green screen yeah. for them. I so, soap under wrinkle. So they're at some sort of command post, and Bible Man is a pet. The Bible team is being summoned to the baseball diamond where Zach has become disrespectful to his teammates. In full armor sequence. Is this a true story? Yes. Breastplate of righteousness. Shoes of peace. Shoes of Jesus. Shield of, shield of faith. Helmet of salvation. Wow. It's impossible to describe how bad this is. Can you, you really, read all the stuff at a costume show? You must go. Oh, I call it. I call Bible Man for Halloween. You can, you can, you can be Bible Lady or Bible Girl. Bible Girl. That's it. We're calling it right now. And I'll be God. We're calling the Bible Man costume for this Halloween. So really, when you get a chance, you go to YouTube. Halloween is ten months away. Well, we got plenty of time to put this together. Go to YouTube and watch this Bible Man video. They're now uh, they step into some sort of a Star Trek transporter thing, and the Bible Man costume is being put on them, including a scary Bible helmet. I'm sorry, helmet of salvation. Uh, Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's a Bible. All right, come on. There's only 30 seconds left. I got to resolve this quickly. 
Oh, we don't get the resolution. What's he going to do? I don't know. I don't know. That's Make the sure end. you watch the next thrill-packed episode. And then there's 30 seconds of just black screen. Well, now we'll never know how it turns out. Now I'll oh, never know no. if Zach was saved. I guess that's a local avail. I struck. <laughs> yes, sir. You too can sponsor Bible Man. Station identification here. Rick, I'm so disappointed in you that I didn't know something like Bible Man existed. Oh, Bible no, Man I, is that's gold. You... That's why I'm glad we have this program. Yeah, we'll see. This... I cannot believe that you haven't dressed as Bible Man. This... I am so disappointed in you. This program does raise cultural awareness. Uh, all right, so yeah, so Sarah and I will be Bible Man and Bible Girl. Uh, this fall, Tim Riley will be God. You're listening to KCD Portland. We'll uh, stay here. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Mike Huckabee predicts uh, big things for himself in the New Hampshire primary tonight. Well, that would be huge for us. I think, you know, even fourth is still better than where we were just a, two or three weeks ago when we were, like, in sixth place. So he's hoping for at least third place. Uh, let's see. TriMet will uh, think about establishing new west side precincts. For transit police force, adding five new officers to the regional police effort to quell the suburban dissatisfaction with the agency's handling of security. Mm-hmm. While the most alarming recent incidents on the backs have happened in the Gresham area, people on the west side are very concerned. They don't want people disturbing their suburbs. Uh, so let's see here. Under the plan, four officers and a sergeant would spend most of their time on the backs light rails and transit stations in the suburbs west of the zoo. So between the zoo and Hillsborough, that includes Beaverton. The results uh, will produce less crime, so that's a good thing. So they're not getting them on the east side, but those of us on the west side, we're getting cops to protect us. That's what really matters, as long as the west side is protected. <laughs> By the way, apparently he has a Bible cave, Bible, not Tim, a uh, Bible man, has a Bible cave, Bible mobile, and fights the evil powers of satanic minions. Bible maps. He also had a young sidekick, uh, but immediately after that rash of child buggering that the Catholic Church had, the young sidekick went away. So is this new? Does it still go on? Is it old? Oh, well, Bible Man still exists, but I think Willie Ames has been booted out. I don't think Willie Ames is currently Bible Man. I think he was replaced. No, if he's hanging around Hollywood getting robbed, I would say that that's there no is... place for Bible Man to be hanging out. <laughs> there is no Bible Man uh, in Willie Ames' life. Willie Ames, there is a new Bible Man. All right. Plus, uh, he's lost his youthful appearance. Oh, wow. He looks like a fisherman. That's, he does. That's unfortunate. So maybe he can be in a pocket fisherman commercial now. Boy, you know, I wonder what that... Yeah, okay, this I can say this now because she's of age now. I wonder what that, uh, if that younger sister on Charles in Charge turned out to be hot. Because, you know, the way it works with those families is, on those sitcom families, the older sister is always the cute one. The younger sister is always sort of bookish, uh, you know, and, and sort of the, the, the bookworm nerd, but kind of pretty. And then as time goes on, the hot girl on the sitcom always becomes ugly. Blair from Facts of Life, I'm looking at you. But then the younger nerdy girl in real life always becomes hot. Kim Hot as Balls Field. I am Fields, I'm looking at you. Kim Fields, who just ended up being the hottest girl on the face of the earth. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up Kim Fields right now, see if she's still hot. And I know she is. But I wonder what that younger uh sister on Charles in Charge looks like these days. I know that sounds creepy, but what are you gonna do? I speak for Gen the X men everywhere. One? Blonde ponytail. They were both blonde, but the younger one had a ponytail and she was sort of a bookworm. Here's Tim Riley. Police in Beaverton looking for a man who stabbed a pregnant woman this afternoon. They had to lock down the nearby Bose Elementary School. What is going and on? It, that's because we don't have cops on the max on the west side. And it's you know it's because of uh, San Francisco values, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had a canine crew come out searching for the subject. He, he is a man in his 60s. The victim was a woman in her 20s. Their relationship is unknown at this time. Beyonce leads all pop nominees into the 34th annual People's Choice Awards. Now, which ones are these? Apparently, they're being held. A former Destiny's Child star picked up nods, or fabulous female singer. 
Uh, favorite R&B song and favorite pop song. Justin Timberlake earned two of his own, along with being included with Timberland and Nelly Furtado with the song Give It To Me. Maroon 5, uh, Dottie and Fergie are hot on the heels with two nominations each. Pop stars earning single nods include Fergie, Gwen Stefani, John Mayer, Rihanna, and Niyu. Who's Niyu? N-E-Y-O. Neo? Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, during the Hollywood writer's strikes, organizers have opted to nix the red carpet ceremony. And instead, uh, people can pick up their awards at the door. By the way, uh, you all will appreciate this. And by you all, I mean Tim and Sarah. Uh, so, you know, Jay-Z, uh, Beyonce's fiancé. Beyonce's fiancé. Hmm. Sorry about that unfortunate rhyme. Uh, the fiancé of Beyonce, there's no way to get around it. Uh, Jay-Z, uh, Beyonce's boyfriend, is, you know, he endorses Hewlett-Packard. He is a celebrity endorser for the PC. Great photograph today of him and Beyonce sitting side by side on their MacBooks. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that he wasn't endorsing. He's a paid. No, he advertises for Hewlett Packard. Oh, they're both sitting there like a little happy couple with their have MacBooks. You, have you never seen? There's a TV commercial that has Jay Z and Bill Gates together. Uh, it's Jay Z and Bill Gates pimping the you know the, the Hewlett Packard you know the Windows computer. Photo that came out today: Beyonce and Jay Z sitting side by side, I think, at an airport lounge on MacBooks. So there you go. Just as it should be in Tim Riley's world. All right, Tim Riley returns at the bottom of the hour with more news. Uh, we got Lisa Desjardins coming up here in just a few. Okay, so I'm looking at uh, Kim Fields. She is still hot as balls. Boy, God, she is just unbelievably gorgeous. And I think that's naturally pretty, too. I don't think that's makeup, or camera angles, or whatever. She's just legitimately, truly beautiful, really. Wow. All right. No, because, she is really pretty. Well, because if you remember growing up with Facts of Life, you know, she was she was the nerd. Uh, she was the she was the misfit because uh, she, she had braces until she was you know teenager uh, and then she was on roller skates all the time and they put her they gave her like the weird like the mo she had like the bad she had this terrible like bowl haircut kind of a thing going on all right I gotta look up wasn't she dating somebody faint well of course she probably did but probably I can't remember I think she's married now I I don't think uh, I don't think she's on the market I don't think Rick that's all I got no so. no well sadly no one heard it all right bye now. Jesus, what is it with people today? I don't know. They're kooky. Uh, no, you're right. There's something in the air. Let's this see. Week. Does this mean Tim Riley would actually be my personal savior? Yes, we're going to make Tim God this coming Halloween, just so you know now. Uh, let's see. All right, here we go. The young, bookish, blonde sister from Charles in Charge. Click here to see if she turned out hot. Is that Nicole Eggert that you're talking about? Um, No, the it's uh, Josie on... Davis. Oh, okay. Whoa, hello. Is she? Really? Damn. Wow, she is stunning. Look at that. Oh, she's really pretty. Oh, my God. You know what it is? She looks like a better kept together, less crazy Natasha Henstridge. That's exactly the chick from Species. Who will always now just be known as the chick from Species. Jesus, I cannot believe how gorgeous she is. All right. Is Byron here? What is she in? Is Byron back here? I he is someone... with Brad. All right, okay. He's just standing there staring at me. Should we let him in? He's making me nervous. Who were you talking about just now? Byron. No, no, no. The girl. What girl? I'm are trying you to remember about? what she's from. She's Who? like a girl. This girl that you just had. Josie Davis. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I could just. Maybe you can Wikipedia her. her while we talk to from Manchester, New Hampshire. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars and Charles in Charge enthusiast Lisa Desjardins. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am Dandy. Did you watch Charles in Charge growing up? 
You know what? I saw a couple of episodes. I can't say I was really an enthusiast. All right. You, you just Willie, Willie Ames and Scott Bayo did not necessarily have the magnetic pull on you that they had on many young ladies of that period? Separately, but not together. <laughs> together, they negated each other. Yeah, it was really, I think I think uh, that that's sort of my feeling about it. Excellent. All right, so uh, it is, what, five, a little bit after five o'clock in Manchester. Uh, as uh, someone once said, uh, what do we know and when do we know it? <laughs> that's right. We're actually, okay, here's, here's how this works. CNN has been doing exit polling along with all the other uh, networks all day long, and Basically, we're going to release little spurts as we go from here on out. The first little group, little blot of information came out just 10 minutes ago. And, of course, being the responsible news network that we are, we are not going to release uh, any information about who may be winning, of anything course. like that, because the polls are still open for uh, almost three hours here in New Hampshire. So, But what we do know is the number one issue for voters in New Hampshire, Republican and Democrat, can you give it a guess? Uh, I know you're not going to say the war on terror. I'm not going to say the word. Are you going to say change? <laughs> Ch change as an issue. No. I have no. I've, I got nothing. Uh, the economy. Oh well, okay. I guess I could see that. Yep. See, I, I thought you. I thought you had I, a shot at that. Uh, I was. I was pulling for it. I think it's. That's actually just. That's one of those things that people say, and I suppose they do mean it because everybody wants a job and everybody wants to make more money. But it's also like how everybody goes. Well, I'm really concerned about education. But like, what is, <laughs> I don't even know what that means when they say they're concerned about education. Okay, so the economy. The economy. All right. You know, and it's hard. No, here's, typically, you can take a, something like that and you can say, oh, well, that is great for. Who, you know, you can pick a candidate that's just particularly good for, but I don't think that's the case this year. I, I don't know what CNN pundits are saying. They may be concluding the exact opposite. But from where I sit, that doesn't help me figure out, you know, who, who this is going for. I don't think people uh, were necessarily picking their candidates here in New Hampshire based on uh, who's going to help the economy the most. I think that's what concerned people. But I think talking to people on the street, people really just chose their candidates on the field test, on the gut test, who who do you like? Who who are you tired of? You know, that's what people I think we're going for here. At least we'll see if the voting holds up to that. But that's what people were telling me. So is it on the street? Is it true that in several now we're hearing that in some places they've actually run out of ballots? Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Apparently, the Drudge Report is reporting this that they ran out of ballots some in different places. Uh, but the New Hampshire Secretary of State's office tells us that that's not the case. Uh, it, that's what they're telling us now. I hope that, you know, notoriously this always seems to change after I've reported that it's not true. But uh, we have a lot of confidence in that office. They say what has happened is uh, throughout the day they've been getting requests for more ballots from across the state and that they have been able to get those ballots out so that no precinct has run out. But when we say extra ballots, we're, we're talking about a huge turnout here, Rick. Uh, in one nearby precinct, one of our producers went to, uh, they usually have, I think, something like 6,400 registered voters total in that precinct. They had 5,000 ballots on hand, and, and they believe that they would have run out if they hadn't gotten more. So, I mean, that's you know over 80%. Turnout in that in that particular precinct, which is enormous, and probably not that way across the state, but very large turnout, much like we saw in Iowa. Barack Obama hopes it's the same thing that we saw in Iowa, which was new voters, independent voters coming out for him. We'll have to see in the next couple of hours if that's true. Uh, here's a, what might sound like a silly question, and again, we don't know how it's going to how everything's going to shake out. We won't till tonight, but. It, this may seem like an obvious question, but who stands? Uh, in other words. 
on the Democratic side, let's start there, for whom would a, a loss be worse? Would it be worse for, let's say, Hillary because of making two in a row, or would it be worse because of uh, for Obama because it would it would take away this uh, halo of anointment that seems to have come down on him? Yeah, I think it would be worse. A loss would be worse at this point for Barack Obama because Hillary Clinton's already lowered those expectations. You know, people already have seen the polls. People pretty much, honestly, expect her to lose at this point in New Hampshire by, by some amount. Who knows how much? So if she wins, you know, it's almost a come from behind suddenly win, despite the fact that she used to be 20 points ahead. You know, now, now she'll have, you know, this sort of front runner and underdog image if she wins, versus Barack Obama will feel more like a flash in the pan if he loses. And, and that's more dangerous, especially going into South Carolina, where you have a lot of African American voters who, who, initially were leaning toward Hillary Clinton, uh, not so sure about Barack Obama, if he could really get elected, if he really appealed to African Americans down there. Uh, but now, you know, if he, if he wins handily in New Hampshire, a lot of people, and I, I know people in South Carolina who say that that could really change and that the whole shape of the race in South Carolina could dramatically flip. I, I have read, uh, and there was some, some punditizing happening this morning where they've said, um, Make sure that I get this, that I, that I phrase this correctly. There is a sense that if uh, Barack wins in uh, New Hampshire, then the irony is that it will actually drive up uh, perhaps uh, the black support for him elsewhere because there will then be a sense that it won't be in, in, in a wasted vote. In other words, right. that he, he will have the strength to go nationwide. Right, because he will have won in the two whitest states in the country at that point, which is, which is, re it is incredibly significant if he can pull that off. And, 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 and then, of course, it would be um, ironic and a real question, I think, for the African-American community if he could win in, in two states that were not very diverse, and yet if he didn't do well in a state like South Carolina, which is more diverse. And not to say that people should vote by color, you know, but it, but it would be a, a really confusing statement, I think, uh, if, if, that, if that ended up happening. And it would be, it would, I, don't, I don't know who it would bear worse on, the, the African-American community or on Barack Obama, be kind of, if he were to be rejected by that community. So very tricky dynamics there. What do you make of all this softening of Hillary that has happened, uh, her image that has happened in the last 48 hours? It seems to me, and I don't know to what extent they select her audience by hand, but the the now I won't say notorious, but the, the, the very the, the famous speech that she gave, where she, she sounded like she was on the brink of tears and so forth. Although when you watch it on TV, it seemed much more measured. It seemed like she was in a coffee shop surrounded by nothing but women. Was that by design? I don't know that that was by design. I, I asked about that, and we're not clear exactly how it was the people immediately around her were chosen. But it, but it's a clear on in her campaign stop she she is a heavy draw among women i mean she usually does get both women and men but you you, you see sort of it skews more toward women often so it's not it's not that's not a surprise I don't, and it wasn't, we have no indications that that was a planted question asking her, how are you doing? How are you handling all this grueling uh, stuff? You know, and it's funny, that got all the press yesterday when Hillary Clinton did tear up and said it's tough and, you know, said that it, this is very serious for me. Uh, but what's interesting, what I haven't heard as much about is last night at a campaign rally. The protester. Rally, yeah, the protester, where, where then you kind of saw the other, you know, other side of Hillary Clinton, you know, that's going to like, Kind of not, you know, kind of the scrappy, you know, fighting, getting my elbow out, you know, so watch is, out, out of a, my way. This is when a guy last night yeah. shouted at her, iron my shirts. 
<laughs> right? Have I got Hilariously, that Hilariously, yes. Yeah. I have to say, it was pr- it's pretty pretty. Fu- you know, I, I, I'm picturing, you know, a, kind of a drunken frat boy or, you know, some kind of, you know, 55-year-old guy went out with his buddies. Hey, let's right. go to the Hillary rally and shout, iron my shirts. And and she she was right on the ball. What'd she first, say? She, she said, let's turn up the lights in here, first of all. She wanted to see what, who it was and what was going on. Let's turn up the lights. And, and then I think she said, uh, I can't remember the exact words, but it's basically like, and there we have it, you know, the sexism is alive and well, you know, very, you know, kind of sarcastically, right. and and right to the point. But it was kind of classic, not you know, not warm fuzzy Hillary, a classic kind of like, I'm tough and I can take it, is bring any, it, boys. Is anybody speculating? And I'm not saying this is the case, but is anybody speculating that that was done by her campaign to counter the other image? You win the award as the first. Okay, well there you go. Uh, <laughs> hey, by the way, and then we'll, I, I know you're very yeah, busy. Yeah, I so got a scoot. Yeah. Two, two other things quickly. A, um, uh, uh, my wife wanted to pass along this line that um, that uh, Dixville Notch is the Punxsutawney of the uh, of the political world. Hey, okay. Um, Don't and, forget Hart's location. And uh, well, and, and just and, and very quickly, uh, what is is Giuliani just uh, is he just trying to do a rope a dope here where he comes in at the last moment, uh, yeah. you know, as you know that he lets everybody else beat themselves senseless in these other states and then he comes in in Florida or whatever. I'm gonna see if this works, but essentially in my mind right now, the Republican race whack a mole. That's what's happening. All right. It's basically you know like one guy pops up, the other guy pops down. One another guy pops up, another hole. It's it's just a whack-a-mole. All right. Uh, lots more to say, but I know you've got to run. Have, yeah. a, gr- have a great night, and uh, we will talk to you in, in the near future. So talk we'll, to you tomorrow. All right. Okay. Thank Bye. you, Lisa. There you go. Lisa Desjardins, uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. Wow. Oh, man, I'm so jealous that I can't be there. All right. Uh, let's see. Hey, if you can't make it to uh, Medical Lake Washington on Sunday, we can request to have Bible Man come to our town. Okay. There's a whole form that we go and we fill out, and Bible Man will come to Portland. Okay, I'm totally going there right now. Okay, are we breaking or are we breaking? Uh, let me do this call and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Um, one of the things that I'm kind of noticing, especially before the caucus has started happening, is if you look on the Internet on several polls, and I know that these could be skewed, uh-huh. but um, if, if you look at the maps of how the electorals break down, um, the electoral votes versus the populist votes, it's the one thing I haven't heard anybody say yet is that, you know what, it's breaking down as it was predicted to break down. As if Many of these polls that I'm seeing pre-caucus, Hillary wasn't supposed to win Iowa. I mean, there was a lot of things. It, it just seems to me like when we get into the bigger picture, I think we'll kind of we're kind of knee-jerking our way out of our comfort zone right now. We're we're, we're not paying any attention to the to the pre-caucus statistics. I think that that's kind of uh, causing, well, causing a little bit of a media stress. Well, it's amazing how sometimes this show can almost pass for respectable. The uh, my my only take, my, and I was talking to Lisa about this last week after Iowa, which is that you're right that they really had. I mean. Like I, it didn't surprise me at all when Obama won in Iowa because I just sort of assumed he would. They, they positioned it as like a surprise, but it actually didn't surprise me at all. But there was such a wave behind that guy, and I think still is. But uh, it is interesting to note that we have to break, or Sarah's going to come over here and cut my head off. Um, that if you look at the national polls right now, I mean, it's still Hillary and Giuliani. Now, that's probably going to degrade somewhat if, if Obama wins, but it's still Hillary and Giuliani because the average nitwit only knows what they've been told for the last year. So, uh, got to run. Oh, and over the last week, for that matter. Yeah, it's very true. All right, I'm sorry, sir. I hate to. Uh... Sarah's making me take a break. I'd love to stay in talk oh, all day, but she's hard. making me break. Yeah. So we can air advertisements, advertisements by many of our paid sponsors. So, uh, all right, stay there. Byron Beck for the Willamette. We stay there. Uh, don't go anywhere. You know how that goes with you and I. 
Oh, I know. I just said the same thing. I know. You know, I had to leave. But I wasn't saying anything. I, but even I, I know that. I understand that. And they are talking even about that, me. You remember that time that you were by Byron Beck from the Willamette is here? He says the most uncomfortable things. And they're talking about me and how I can't talk about certain things in front of them because, oh, well, I might injure their ears. No, it's not that. It's that... It's that Sarah and I have a warm sibling-like relationship, and so just as you don't want to hear your sister talking about taking on a hockey team, I don't want to. I'm not implying Sarah has done it, but I'm saying I don't. There's just. Do you remember that one time that you and I and Davy? You remember the time that you, Sarah, you and I and Davy Nipples were out uh, getting yes. hanging out, and 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 I can't reveal anything because I, I didn't hear anything. But Davy at one point had asked you some question about. Something or other. I really honestly don't remember what it was. But it was some uh, some discussion of your uh, your intimate life. And I think you had had a couple, and you revealed something or other to Davey, or you were going to. You were going to be like, well, Davey, one time, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wah! And I'm like, i got to leave. And I had to get up from the table and, and leave for a few minutes and come back. I know. Because, no, 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 I'm just saying, I'm saying Byron... The, more, the bigger of a deal you're making out of it, the more awkward it is. No, 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 I'm not, making, even talk I'm not making a big deal of it now. But I'm saying, so when Byron begins asking either of us uh, penetrating questions about that, it's just... Uh, <laughs> so, so you guys haven't had sex yet? <laughs> oh, God, See, This Byron. is what I'm talking about. See, so, I'd be all over that. I'm not saying so. I'm, and, and, Either and, one. And I'm not trying to imply anything about Sarah, nor am I saying that Sarah would ever engage in that sort of discussion with you. But I'm saying if she did, theoretically, like I just can't be around. For Rick, it's that's just weird. That's all we ever talk about. All right. Well, it's really not. I'm, really. I'm so I'm not around for that. I was trying to talk about DPS, which is domestic partnership and the whole issue of that. And they bring up the sex. They're the ones that are having the Rick's problem with the it. the one who said it. You know, so, but you know what? But when he said DP, you and I both thought the same thing. And what well, was that? Uh, director of photography. Yes. Here's the thing. When I say we're not going to say it, so when you said it just now, no one heard that. Oh, good, good, good. You can't say that on... No. Let's really? not. it's a sex act. Yeah, I just... Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. God, I don't oh, know really? enough. I thought you... Can you say... Okay. Well, You're I won't on TV ask. every day, right? Not every day. Boy, Did you it's like that? having storms sitting next to me. Oh, and this is no longer called the dump button. This is the storm button. Ah, uh, 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 so uh, no, we're gonna uh, we're gonna not use that phrase on the air. Okay, might be uh, being the recipient of uh, pleasure by more than one person simultaneously. So, DP, director of photography. Yes. Oh wait, no, but, uh, but uh, back to the other thing. So, have, have I, you lost weight? Have you lost weight? How did I know that? No, I'm ha you're just distracted by the bad hair that I have today. No, you, you have a great hair. Worst hair day of my life today. Uh, I don't believe I've lost weight. In fact, I'm pretty sure that I put on weight since the last time I saw you. Oh, mm. you don't look very puffy. I mean, I'm not trying to be all like fishing for compliments, but I think I've I think I've put on a couple. Pounds. You look rock hard. Thank you. You're referring to my abs. Yes. Does okay. he look kind of tense? I think I might need a massage, Byron. Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah I, we'll start at the buttocks and move our way up. Moving on. So tell us about, so we had a really fun time at Gay Bingo yesterday. Yeah, we did Gay Bingo and, yesterday. And then I have a redneck question for you. Uh, because we had had this discussion, and somebody sort of sent us a clarifying email, but it wasn't really. So we've got these, uh, like, hillbillies from Tennessee mm -hmm. uh, that intervened and somehow got the domestic partner thing squashed or tabled. Right, or right, what it, right. So how does that work that some guy uh, can come here from the hinterlands and uh, I mean, how does that work that a guy from Tennessee well, can interfere with an Oregon law? 
It has to do with the judges. And does that mean that I can just go start getting Tennessee laws taken off the books? I have a feeling you can. That's going to be my new hobby then, full time. Well, it's going to be an interesting situation, and not to go political on this, but the thing is that it's really going to come down to whether or not a petition is the same as a vote. And signing a petition is the same as casting a vote, which it's not. And that's what this uh, judge, Michael Mossman, who was actually uh, upheld Georgia sodomy laws in a few years back, has so done. He's a real forward-thinking type. Well, he, yeah. he's not a bad guy, but he's making some bad decisions right now, and we'll see what happens in February when he makes his decision and will decide whether or not uh, these petitions uh, can be held accountable it's it's an interesting thing the thing about tennessee is like i don't know man it's getting weirder and weirder and weirder as our uh state becomes bigger and bigger well i think what it is is and this is just my dime store psychology i don't really know anything about anything but it does seem to me like the more lost a cause is the harder and harder People fight to defend it. So I think as, uh, you know, hillbillies are drag kicking and screaming into the 21st century, as they see, uh, you know, the, the sort of, you know, this is all of those old, you know, the, whatever, the, 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 the sometimes legally protected prejudices, as they see that so-called golden age of America, you know, the family values right. of the 50s, as they see it fading away, they just become more and more unhinged in their desire to save it. Well, it's the politics of change. And, of course, you guys talk about today on the politics of New Hampshire. And we're in a situation where we're seeing the world change. Are we seeing a culture where we'll accept a homosexuals as part of our family or not? It's an interesting time. And it will, uh, harkens back to a time in 1992 uh, called when the OCA was, or the Oregon Citizens Alliance was... Uh, Lon Maybon, is that Lon, that guy? Yeah, Lon Maybon. And uh, there's a film called uh, Ballot Measure 9, which is going to film this Friday at the Q Center. And it is an amazing film about a time I think we all forgot and how close we were to legislating hate into our state's constitution. Now, we'll... Will we continue on that road? I don't think so. I think as Oregonians, we're right-thinking people, uh, even on the most left subjects. Well, as, as Portlanders, perhaps. Portlanders. I, you know, I... I you drive 15 minutes, I think it's another story. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I think you're wrong, but maybe you're right. I do have to say this. You smell fantastic today. What is that you're wearing? Uh... uh, uh I was going to say something. Oh, this old thing. I just, <laughs> something I threw on. It's Kiehl's Musk. He censored himself. It's what? Kiehl's. Kiehl's. Is that K-E-E-L-S? K-I-E-H-L. K-I-E-H-L. I'll get you some. Uh, I'll get you some. I have some really? Kiehl's stuff from a gift bag from the Lamont we Yeah, yeah. Kiehl's is great. You should, as a metrosexual, you should try it out sometime. Yeah, I'm going to get right on it. Do you really think I smell good? I was, Sarah. Would I give uh, Would I give Byron a false compliment? Would he that would be not. flirting? No, no, I'm just simply. I can I make the observation. That, is your wife massage. listening to the show? Yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, hi. Oh, this is our good friend Kristen. Hello, Kristen. Well, hello. Hi. How are you? Today? Hey, uh, Kiehl's uh, avocado eye cream is also really great. I love that stuff. All right. Well, just I, in case you're going over beauty tips, I'm so here to help. Sir right. Byron doesn't Thank have you. Tips I love Kiehl's. Don't you love? Kiehl's? I love Kiehl's. They're fantastic. You can eat some of it too. Wow. I'm just. Yeah. Okay. Just waiting for Carson Presley or whatever that guy's name to suddenly appear. Uh, yes. Okay, so I'm here to give you a cleansing breath of fresh air. Uh-huh. Take you away from all of this horrid political stuff, yes. the rain, the, you know, the Britney news. I want everyone to come out tomorrow night and see the band that I play with, is the Loyal Bastards. Is it tonight or tomorrow? No, tomorrow, tomorrow night. It's Wednesday night. Okay, the MySpace thing says tonight. Ooh, shoot. 
So you might want you might want to look into that. Oh, did I do it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It so uh, you might want to you might want to put out a follow up to that. But yeah, tomorrow night at the Doug Fur. Tomorrow night it's Wednesday night the ninth at Doug Fur, and uh, it's interesting that Byron is there today because actually uh, the album the from the Loyal Bastards called. Um, Oh, my God, I just forgot. Bad Days Ahead. Right. Uh, voted one of 2007's best albums by the Willamette Week. Excellent. Wow. So, there so you go. very exciting. Uh, and so that is, uh, that is tomorrow night. What time at the Doug Fur? Tomorrow night, we are on smack dab in the middle um, between uh, ah, Rachel Taylor Brown and Scotland Bar and the Slow Drag. Attacked, attacked so we'll by be weasels. On. All right. We'll be on about ten, ten thirty. Excellent. Thank you, and, and uh, we will. Uh, we'll, we will try to make it out. As Kurt you Lutter should. Said. All right. Because it's you. free. Thank you, Kristen. No, no, thank you. Go fix your MySpace update. All right. Uh, in just a moment, we will be joined by uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Let's get a Bible man call, shall we? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Maybe he's praying, sir. Three. Two. All right, thanks for calling. Ladies and gentlemen at the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. It's an avalanche, another one. The latest storm today bringing a flurry of problems now. There's then a second avalanche closing down Highway 20 at Santa M Pass. This happened, and it has closed down a portion of Highway 62. The storm moved into the northwest overnight, bringing light snow to Portland's higher elevations where all the rich people live. Portland's West Hills roads were coated with ice and snow. But, of course, if you live in the West Hills, you don't have to go to work anyway. No, of course not. And uh, New Hampshire's uh, vote is bringing out record numbers of voters. We'll have all the results as soon as they come in. So that thing about running out of ballots that we found out is not true. Yeah. Uh, Reg makes stuff up. Yeah. He, they, he, uh, he does have a sort of lax added, an elastic definition of what is a sourced story. Uh, well, my other question about that was, how do you run out of ballots when they use voting machines in these places? Well, you know, it's like, have you heard, and I'm not going to point fingers. You know, these are all mechanical contraptions. There's a certain broadcasting company, CBS, that is running these, uh, it's the ultimately futile uh, thing every year about getting young people to vote. Uh, that thing it might be all... working this time. Well, maybe. Who knows? Uh, but but it's uh, the big the big uh, uh, the vote the big shuck that they're doing this year mm-hmm. is they're urging young people to quote go to the polls and vote because there you can meet somebody attractive. <laughs> so it's I swear to you you're going to hear it running on this station. It is a CBS mandated spot. You're going to hear on which I'm all for that you're going to hear on this station where the whole thing is. And I went to vote and I met this really hot guy at the polls and now we're no. going out for co- oh dude you don't even know seriously I had this, it's going to be it's going to be playing you're going to hear it. <gasps> Uh, it, had to go, play it? it had to go through my office, both literally and figuratively, before it got scheduled. But I heard, I heard them all, and they're all going to be running. Is it a PSA or? It is, like no, a... they're all PSAs. It's like CBS wants to remind you that voting is sexy. You know, one of those things. But of course, that doesn't even make any sense here because don't we all? Didn't everybody vote by mail now? Yes. Yes. So there you go. So I, unless you're wanting to strip the postal guy, doesn't really, you know, whatever. Don't knock it. <laughs> I love you, Byron Beck. I love you, too, Ricky. All right. So anyway, we'll have results as soon as they start coming in. The New Hampshire poll is closed at 5 o'clock our time, and we shall be on the air with all the results for you. So the CBS Mobile News Center giving you results late in the evening as long as it takes. Or yes, it's all set seven. up. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Uh, do we? Uh, anybody want to lay any odds? Anybody want to call tonight, make any predictions? Oh, oh what do you think? I, you know, who's just, I mean, look, McCain is polling first. 
I mean, that's because there were no choices. And I mean, the Republicans are in disarray. Yep. People are tired of Hillary already. I even though she cried. No, the, the, but she never cried. Here's the thing. And yeah. you know that I, I was and con- I was rooting for and continue to root for Hillary just because I like whatever sows divisiveness in this country. And it seems like she's going to make more people angry. And so I'm behind her. Uh, that being said, it is, as we were talking about this earlier, it is fascinating to see them just cowering before the specter of Barack Obama. Because, I mean, it's like, man, you can tell that they are just preparing to go down like wheat before the sickle. I mean, it's... It, it... Don't you think he's going to get shot? Okay, we, of course, don't... We, of course, wish him a long life and the best of health. Are you speculating as a I journalist... Am, I am speculating as a journalist... That his but... life may, in fact, uh, be in some danger from a deranged member of the population. It just seems like we're going down that path. That well, I mean, that's okay they, well, no, they, they stopped Bill O'Reilly last night. And that, that's <laughs> Bill, O'Reilly, yeah. Bill O'Reilly couldn't even get near him. Thank God. Um, well, I don't know, people have raised the idea before that if there was some uh, a candidate who was either uh, you know a black candidate or a female candidate... That would it would it motivate some unhinged nutcase? But since Hillary is not female, um, and she's a she's a, she's, she's a Thatcher, we're going to create a new species that's of really low class, pal. That, that really Bill O'Reilly class, and everybody in the world will see it. Yeah, like you're a high class. Pal. I don't know. I mean, well, you got to know. I mean, I think I don't think I'm speaking at a term when I say that if Barack becomes the nominee, well, first of all, as soon as you become the nominee, you automatically get Secret Service protection, which you then have. And then with your president, well, he already has it, and you get it for life. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, nobody really talks about it, and I think it's smart because they're, you know, they're trying to not minimize, but I think they're trying to not unduly play up the race angle. Uh, his camp. I mean, they're you know they're trying to be very sort of you know subtle about the whole thing. But I think it's probably a fact that his Secret Service protection would be probably the highest of any president ever. Absolutely. And there's already sour grapes over this on the Republican side. Somebody on, on CNN was saying, I know half your people are voting for him because they feel sorry for blacks. Really? Yeah. I, I are, they, are they are preemptively saying, well, he beat us because this, this is liberal guilt. Really? Yeah. How sad. And now they're complaining what used to be a red state is turning into a blue state. Imagine at, after I leave. I mean, I don't think I'm capable genetically of feeling sympathy for the Republicans, but I mean... If I was, it'd be over something like that. Yeah. That they're just and and you totally nailed it. That I mean, whatever anybody feels about Hillary or Barack or whatever, I mean, that you do get the feeling the Democrats will, as much as the Democrats are predisposed to just shooting themselves in the foot, as much as they just seem well, addicted to their use, own failure. Since they still use Carvel and Bagala for everything. Oh. I mean, how can they win anything? Well, you know, somebody noted that Hillary is running a really 20th century campaign. I mean, she really is, and I mean, she just. She just does seem of yesterday's world. I mean, I hate to say that. I, I really do, because, you know, I've pulled for her forever just because I want to see my in-laws in Utah have a heart attack. But, I mean, it, it, Barack does really have, and maybe it's only the temporary glow of the moment because the media has anointed him, at least for this week, the guy. But he does have such a sense of gravitas right now where he speaks and the world trembles. He's got and the, the Repu- Kennedy-like and the, charisma. Yeah, and the Republicans are in just such disarray. I mean, the Republicans are like a bunch of chickens with no head, man. But we're forgetting about Bill Clinton. And when the Bill Factor goes into full overdrive, uh, watch out. Watch out. And because the, it is like a bit like a television show. And if we're going to bring in the, the, you know, the big player at the end of the show, to, uh, it's going to be an interesting run. Maybe. The best of all possible worlds for the Democrats right now is if Mike Huckabee continues to be the, the guy. Because, boy, he is... Well, he predicts he's going to come in third place tonight. Well, but he's managing expectations, yeah. though. And he, man, that guy never met a cliche he didn't like. Not only has he had the, it's not about me, it's about we... He's had the... We're part of the army of God. It's not about being your leader. It's about being your servant. But last night on Fox, he actually said, 
It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. So I actually had to, I had to look to find Fox on my television last night because I was trying to find... You know, it's 48. Well, because CNN had gone to... They were doing something right. They were talking about some other story that I didn't care about. And I realized that I think probably in the last five years, I can count on zero fingers the number of times I've gone to Fox. So I had to struggle on the TiVo on screen to like find where it was. I finally settled just for watching. Do you know what they do with... Have you seen this with Anderson Cooper now? He apparently is such a draw for that network, network Hot. that they just, well, but they just replay his show man. four times in a row. They, they, they do the same thing with the segment after him, too, and the Larry King show. Yeah. They're, all, they're all done at, at 10 o'clock our time. And they just they run Anderson Cooper and Larry King back to back to back to back to back until like 3 a.m. I loved Anderson Cooper and the mole. Remember the mole? No. The mole. I don't the know color. what you're talking about. I think it was on commercial. Oh, the reality TV. show? Yeah. Oh, that's was that was he, that him? He was the he was a host. Oh, he was the Jeff Probst of the Mole. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah, he was a little more gay then. All right, uh, Tim Riley back at four, five, six, and seven. Yes, all I'm gonna go back to primary nights. Yep, I'm going to be covering elections. So I'll talk to you guys later. So updates from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, and six, nice and seven. Nice hair. Yes, he, Tim has beautiful hair. He really does. Tim, uh, you just want to put your hand through it. Every every hair in place. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, kid. Hey. Penelope. How can we help you today? Well, I have a uh, poll for you guys. How many <laughs> of you <laughs> How many of you believe that Hillary will call Bill her VP? Can she call him her VP? Uh, no, I think we discussed, we discussed this a year ago, and I think we discovered that he cannot because, uh, it, because even though you can't be president, I think constitutionally... Speaking, I may be making this up, but I don't think I am. That no one who is not eligible to be president may be put in the line of succession. Okay, well, I wanted to call you and not Lars because I uh, don't hate <laughs> Lars. And also, yeah. I was just going to say, and because of the obvious. So. Speaking that of good hair, true. yes. All right, thank you. Thank you. Uh, there you go. Does Lars have good hair? He has okay hair. Well, he's what a kind fat, of helmety? fat butt. But I'm just going to say he has a plastic ass. That doesn't help him. No, Lars has that hair that I'm not saying it's fake. I really am not saying that. Are you saying it's fake? I'm saying it's fake. He has moves too. He has like movies. He does look squishy. He's movies. no. He's a big. He's a big sack of spongy white flour. There's movies. No getting, he's an Augustus Gloop looking bastard. There's no getting around that. I would love to see him in drag. Well, <laughs> could you imagine? Yes, actually. Little, Wait, hold on. Little, yes, I can actually. In sort of like a Mrs. Roper house dress, <laughs> yeah. and like a flower behind one ear. I actually can see he that. He seems like he would have been attractive, like. Once upon a time. Lars? Was he handsome well, when he was younger? Well, he was a news anchor, right? Yes, he was. He, you know, I can say this. Lars is a pleasant-looking man in a sort of dull, Ken doll kind of way. Yes, news anchor. Yeah. I think Lars would make a fantastic gay man. I really do have to say that, though. If you trimmed him down, if you put him on just like a like a celery diet for about three months, uh, and then you just uh, gave him like a good glossing, a I little, can see that. A little manscaping. Have you really? Ever, have you ever been manscaped? Let me just say this. Speaking of things that start ago. with man... Can I just tell you this here? Somebody used this phrase the other day, and it was Sarah from upstairs who used this phrase. We were talking about somebody in the building who was dating, and I said, oh, who's, I forget a guy's name, Dave or Don. I said, oh, who's, who's Dave? And they said, oh, that's her man-panion. Man-panion? Sarah Wagner said that. that man-panion. I don't that, like that. That's and, almost as bad as mangina. And it was, oh, wow, really? Yeah. yeah. Have you never heard that? No. But it was one of those phrases, like, uh, like when she said it, you could hear the quotes. You could hear the quotes when she said it. So I think even she knew it was, you know, That's like a, a little ridiculous. A Let's do one more and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 
Hey, Rick. You know, Hi. if anybody really cares, Bill actually can run as say, uh, running mate. Say hello to Byron Beck from the Willamette Week, sir. Yeah, okay. <laughs> hello. Hello. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Bill can run as Sorry, a running mate. He gave a speech on the subject saying that he won't because it doesn't violate the law itself, but it violates the spirit of the law, quote. Well, it, I mean, he's got, I mean, look, I don't pretend to know the insides of the Hillary Clinton campaign, but it does seem like, it does seem like at least half the vote for Hillary would be from people who pine for the golden days of 1992 through 2000. Uh, you know, and it's a backdoor way to put Bill back in office, which is fine. I understand that. So we bring Monica back. Well, yeah, hey, yeah. that's okay with me. Hey, she's yeah. a nice girl. I got to meet her when what? she was in town. People, you know what? I don't. I haven't seen her recently, and uh, not that I've looked for photos of her online, but I'm saying the last photo I was able to find of her was from like 2002 when she was launching that line of handbags. Mm -hmm. uh, I got to tell you, anybody who knows me knows that I find Monica uh, hot. I always have. She so, has beautiful toes. I. She has a certain slatternly allure that I find. Uh, Do you have a foot I find thing, Byron? I don't. Thank you, sir. But she has nice toes. Uh, now, have you seen her toes? Uh, yeah. I, I have I, a friend of mine who claims to have nude photos of her, and he holds it over me and won't show them to me. That's that's mean. That's I know. Mean. I know. And he he knows who he is. If you're listening right now, you bastard, he knows exactly who he is. Yeah, so. we got to know her when she was in town, when she was living here over the summer. And she and Juan, just my partner, they hit it off. Really? They, they, they are like best buds. You tell her that Juan a, is such an amazing guy. You tell her okay. that Rick Emerson says hello, he's and okay. he's her biggest fan. He's... Rick Emerson. Is I am her biggest fan. Oh, we'll try to get her on the Man, I love Monica Lewinsky. I really oh, do. Oh, you don't even know. You have no idea, dude. I. So I opened a door. I opened a door, and out you popped. So it's it's not the mangina that got you going. It's the Monica Lewinsky. So much, so much going on in that phrase. <laughs> Byron Beck from the Willamette. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Saddest part of the broadcast and dead. The final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Join us tomorrow. We'll have, let's see, Mr. Skin tomorrow, Tram Ride on Thursday, Lemmy from Motorhead on Friday, and Tesla sometime next week, next Wednesday, I think. So, uh, excellent. We're here with uh, Byron Beck from the Willamette Week. Okay. Do you want to do your uh, top? Now, are these local, local journalists or uh, national journalists? You're going to do the top five journalists with whom you would like to have relations. Oh, I'm, I'm on the spot right now. You don't have so, to do it now so if you don't want it, to. My list of top five people, like Katie Cork. Really? Yeah, why not? Just to say that you did it? Look at her hair. Or do you find her attractive? You know she's bare down there, too. You just know that she is. And then uh, Rob Marciano. Okay, Rob Marciano. Uh, yeah, I we didn't... were looking at pictures. Oh, I already put him on. Oh, no, like... there he is. No, he looks like a guy who would be modeling, like, slacks in a Sears catalog. He, he's good-looking in that sort of classic way. Yeah, did you and... say you saw him in a various, in the state of undress? In yeah, yeah. I, at the 24-hour uh, fitness, he was in the locker room. This is years ago, and he was naked. I bet you are a sideways glancer. Maybe. When there's a guy in the shower, you know, at the gym that you're into, I bet you do you a bad... A I think he does this. I think he does a bad job of looking out of the corner of his eye, and you're really obvious about it. I think you're, be, you're trying to be sly, but you're spotted. Uh, that would be my normal activity in the bathroom at any public... <laughs> Note to self. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, actually, yeah, he was actually very attractive. And he looked like he wore Mormon underwear, but other than that... He does have, kind of have that look. Um, there's a couple, you know, there's uh, Carl Click at Channel 2. Carl's probably listening right now. Hello, Carl. He, yeah, Carl's he, a listener. He's, he's a listener. He's very attractive. He's very attractive. Um, and then there's a couple of guys on uh, Channel 8 that I get mixed up all the time because they look exactly the same, but, you know, maybe a, a, a Channel 8 sandwich. <laughs> That's the phrase of the day. We're going to go out on that. Uh, Byron Beck, uh, the Willamette comes out every Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Is that Wednesday the morning? Wednesday morning. I am sorry. I just am it's okay. You don't even know how many hours a day we were on. Uh, I do too. It's it's four. What right? hours are we on? Uh, eleven to two. 
Thanks. Thanks so what much. Time right what now, time Byron? is it right now, Byron? What time is it now, Byron? 8 to 12. Byron Beck, read him in the Willamette or online at wweek.com. You got a, a blog and whatnot? Yeah. Right? Yeah, why not? Excellent. All right. Um, and so forth. We want to thank Byron Beck, uh, CNN Radio Correspondents Jim Roop, and Lisa Desjardins, uh, who is in Manchester, with whom we will have speech tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, Mr. Skin, Thursday, Tram Ride, Friday, Lemmy from Motorhead. Like us next, Donna Mike at 7. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM970 Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn, marketing guru is Susan Reynolds, and of course, uh, imagery and podcasting by Bridget from upstairs. As always, thank you for listening. Watch out for snakes. Like us next, Donna Mike at 7. See you all tomorrow at 11 a.m. Bye now. Relax, man. Everything's cool. Besides, the sky belongs to the stars, right? <laughs>